everybody and welcome! We are back for Knights of Evening Star here on the D&D channel. I hope you are all well. Uh, I can confirm uh, to Anna, who is wonderfully running the stream for us, that we do have audio and it is coming through, which is a great thing. Uh, and we are here to play Knights of Evening Star. It's a D&D show. I'm your Dungeon Master, Mark Sherlock Humes. And joining me, we have my wonderful friends from across the sea, uh, far, far away from me. But we have the ever-lovely Anna Prosser. We have the wonderfully radiant Mika Burton. We have the handsome, dark, sexy uh, Nate Sharp. And my <laughs> beloved brother, my, my charming gentleman of a man, Jonathan Indovino, a.k.a. Shady Penguin. Uh, hey, hold, good, good, hold on a second. What's going what? on? <laughs> what do you mean? Are we playing? I, you I, know, I, last I, time I we playing, played, you called me a sexy Sokka. Um, that yeah. I could cosplay a sexy older Sokka. Yeah. So when you started off the introduction, I'm like, wow, Mark's really laying on thick. I'm going to be real happy tonight. And then you said Nathan Sharp, and I'm like, oh, that's true, I guess. <laughs> Everything you said is true, but it's fine. I, I said lovely things about you as well, Shady. Come on, you know. I know, I know. No, you, Mark. My no, comment you. still stands. Uno reverse. Uno reverse. Oh! oh! <laughs> Got him. The meme. Uh, but no, my comment still stands. You still make a sexy adult sucker. But yeah, everyone's here is lovely. You're all radiant. You're all beautiful. You're all charming. And I'm very excited to play D&D with you again. It's been, we've had a couple of weeks. We had a weird Twitch tech issue. And, and then we had emergencies. And so we've not seen you uh, in a while. We've not seen you at home. Um, but we're here back. And we're going to be going a little bit longer today. We're going to be playing an extra special long game of D&D. Uh, Nate is really keen to fight some stuff today, and I'm hoping that we can deliver on that. Uh, so, uh, and I hope, fingers crossed, uh, he doesn't come to regret that decision later on. Uh, Bring it. Bring it. Okay, nice. Um, we have, as, have as Anna mentioned in chat, we have no Dave uh, today, but Anna is very kindly running the stream, so there might not be as much white text Dave friend uh, nonsense. There's going to be no white text there friend. There we go. <laughs> Anna is not gonna do the white text friend i will i will try to suffice as a substitute dave just in keeping the stream running Keep going yeah that's but, that's the best thing we can get so look, all I, of my gladly take that witticisms are reserved for in-game play i'm sorry so chat you are white text friend you must be dave Make up for, for all it. of yeah, us please be dave you are all dave tonight okay Vegan so. Dave alternative. <laughs> I'm vegan Dave. That's what I am. Vegan Dave. <laughs> you get no you get no comedy with vegan Dave. You get the Only nutrition, facts. but maybe not quite the flavor. The flavor. Mm. <laughs> right, enough of this nonsense. Uh let's play some D D, unless there's something I've forgotten, Anna, because I'm really bad at doing these. Nope. You didn't forget anything. We're gonna play some Dungeons oh, and Dragons. I forgot oh. one thing. What did Happy I forget? International Asexuality Day. Uh Boom. Peace to all the asexual people out there and everybody under the ace umbrella. Congrats and thank you and uh, happy ace day to all of our ace ace folks out, out there. Thank you very much, Mika. Well remembered. I have not been on the internet in about four days and I'm unaware of pretty much everything going on. So thank you for covering my boomer ass uh, <laughs> of no knowledge. Thank you. Okay, boomer. Uh, yeah, that's that's accurate with me. So I don't take offense to it. Uh, <laughs> Let us do a little recap for those of you who may have missed on our last couple of episodes. Uh, our heroes of Evening Star are currently investigating the mysterious Castle Braywinter, a ruined old castle in the northern mountains of Cormir, 
They've been hired by Lady Vanifer Braywinter of Arabelle to retrieve a family heirloom from the castle, a strange lantern made of onyx. The party have traveled to Castle Braywinter and discovered that something terrible happened here long ago, partially merging the castle with a shadowy realm of undeath. Exploring the keep, the party have encountered living shadows and monsters, as well as the gloomy residents of the Shadowfell, the Shadar Kai. After taking a moment to rest in a haunted alchemy lab, the party seek to enter a mage's tower through a secret passageway. But first, they had to attend a dinner with a gaggle of undead. Uh, you are all currently sat around a long dining table uh, in a richly decorated, or perhaps once richly decorated, uh, banquet hall. Uh, now it is all shades of grey, the tapestries long drained of their colour, everything has fallen into a slight state of disrepair and rot. Uh, there is no delicious food on offering, there is no wonderful wine. Uh, you have so far been served plates of grey, you know, people, ash, dust. Uh, you have been served bones and a black slimy ichor, uh, as well as some sort of putrefied liquid uh, instead of wine. And the very last thing that happened is Lord Pharos, who is the kind of this undead creature that seems to be hosting this dinner, along with two other intelligent undead and a whole gaggle of zombies, uh, has called for a dessert to be brought forward. A delicious, putrefied human brain sitting within a uh, open-topped skull. And the very last thing that happened was Tarkal, being very sick from eating all of this, pretty much barfed all over the floor uh, as this lovely dish was brought out. And that was where we left things off uh, with our technical issues last last time. Uh, and yeah, the undead look to the you four gathered uh, and uh, kind of gesture towards this delicacy that's been brought out. Uh, and Lord Farris just sort of says, well, who then shall be the first to take the first bite? <laughs> uh, Azara got out of it by saying she was too drunk, if I remember correctly. You did, correctly. yes, you did. And I think that uh, there was a lot of kind of like pushing around. Uh, I think, I believe Agnes had also weaseled her way out of it by complaining about piano lessons that these undead think that she's supposed to be taking. and Because I'm supposed to perform tonight, so I, mm -hmm. I'm too nervous to eat. They've yeah. mistaken you as some noble that is set to, some yeah. noble's daughter that's set to play piano for them, which has pretty much left Clive and Tarkle who uh, <laughs> to, to bear this burden, unless you wish to refuse the dish uh, of this uh, this undead lord. Uh, Clive, so. Clive was just, before we ended, was just, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like looked at it and was like, nope, not for no, me. No, thank you. Well, it seems that... Lord Farris kind of looks around. If my young boy here is too sick, none of you will partake in my hospitality. How rude. I'll just eat, like, three courses. And I'm, and I'm still puking up. I'm, um, uh, I, I don't feel that well, so I don't, I don't think I should eat, um, what is this again? Ah, oh, fine. The finest, uh, finest frozen cream brought from the very southern parts of Colmere. A delicacy very difficult to obtain here and keep stored cool and refreshing. I think if I had gone the rest of my life without hearing the term brain cream, <laughs> I would have been fine. 
Well, that reality has sadly passed us by, uh, mate. Uh, Tarko, why don't you give me a persuasion check to try and kind of convince them that you are too unwell to consume this dish? Well, luckily, my modifier is a plus 12, so... That's a crit, too. That's a 20. Whoa. Oh, my God. Can I persuade him to do something extra because I got a crit? I mean, well, I, you tell me. What do you say? What does Tarko say? You tell me. Oh, I think this this delicacy would go to waste on someone who would just expel it from their system. Maybe you should save this for after the recital. And and, and if, if this lovely pianist wins, uh, we can celebrate then. Mm, wise beyond your years, my young boy. You shall be a fine member of the family. Very well. We shall save the ice cream for later. He kind of gestures again. And the whole thing was brought out by this hunched back undead ghoul-like creature. And it kind of looks around, sneering at those of you who have refused this meal. And it kind of hunches itself back out into another room behind uh, the dining chamber. And as it opens the door, you do get this kind of really strong smell of rot and decay uh, wifting through the open doorways. But as it closes again, it seems to dilute. Uh, Lord Farris looks around. He's like, well, seems that our dinner has come to an end, my companions still. Despite not enjoying the final course, a rather pleasant evening, I think. Yes, well, I must be off. Radrin likely wishes to discuss matters before his presentation. You see him slowly creak as he pulls himself from the chair. These kind of bony, uh, thin appendages, his arms, kind of the, the skin all taut and gaunt kind of grips the chair as he picks himself up and pulls himself free. Mm, very good. And looks around one more time. And then he begins making his way for the door that leads back out into the castle proper. And as he does, the other undead nobles kind of rise up to follow him. So the zombies all kind of fall into a kind of servant's train as they follow this undead lord out of the room. Leaving Didn't we... Didn't we want to get something, like, behind the fireplace? Yes, there's a secret passage behind the fireplace that goes up to the tower. Okay. So um, we were hoping they would leave and let us do that. Yep. Uh, after that, Azar will just look around and go, I'm genuinely surprised none of us are dead. <laughs> I feel like I'm halfway there. <laughs> we got a free meal. Now we're fueled up for the fight. A meal? That was poison. Yeah. How, how did you stomach that? I've had worse. You see just these plates of cleared bones and black slimy ichor in front of, of Clive completely cleaned. Clive, what did you have that was worse? I'd rather not say. <laughs> And you know what? I'd rather not hear it. And then Azara will get up and start like patting around to see. Sure. Given that there is no pressure, there's no time pressure here, you can still hear noises coming from that room that the ghoul took the ice cream 
uh, back into. You can hear some kind of guttural grunts and snarling and clattering around. There are still creatures back there, and you can just faintly hear the sound of Lord Pharos talking as he makes his way back to another part of the, the ruin, yeah, you assume, um, the castle. Uh, but you're not under any time pressure, so I'm not going to make you roll. After a few minutes of kind of checking around, um, the fireplace itself, uh, you do notice that there is a kind of loose brick, and then when you press it in, a section of the wall beside it does seem to kind of pop out a little bit, uh, and with a, a kind of gesture, you could pull it open if you wish to. Um. Uh, after popping it out, uh, I'm going to look to Clive, just kind of in a... <laughs> you do After it. you. <laughs> just gives a smile and like a snarf <laughs> snarf <laughs> nice uh yeah so clive do you just go up and like pull open this you know revealed passageway yup cool uh you pull it aside and <clears throat> there is a short passageway that leads behind it you can see that unlike the others where a lot of the passageways that you've been moving through of castle bray winter have fallen into this kind of dark gray stone. There's this fine kind of funeral dust or, you know, sort of powder that's been everywhere. This seems relatively clear. There's not much color. It's all still kind of dull gray, um, but this place looks pretty undisturbed. It doesn't look like anything living nor dead has passed through it in some time. Uh, it leads a short way. It kind of curves around. Um, and yeah, that's you without stepping in and, and traveling through the passageway. You, that's all you can see. It just seems to curve round uh, to the right from your position. And yes, it is a secret tunnel. So ah. secret nice. tunnel. <laughs> is it through a mountain? Clive's secret tunnel song. Yeah, he sings it every time he finds one. Oh uh, yes. Uh, with my super observant self. As yes. we walk through, do I notice anything okay, like... Okay, so you want to step through? You want to step through and start making your way down the tunnel? Well, well when you ask that abruptly... <laughs> I, it's I almost was... like I know that it might make you all nervous, and that's why I do it. I had Yeah, assumed... I step through, Mark. I, I just go in. <laughs> I'm going. Anna, what are you saying? I was following Clive. Yeah, okay, same. sure. All right. So Clive kind of leads the way, and no darts point spit out at you there are no runes that seem to blow up as he passes through it seems to be a fairly uh very well made uh very carefully carved um stone corridor that curves what it comes to is a gossamer silk curtain uh, that seems to stretch over the end of this small tunnel um there's almost a pattern to it a, a, a kind of shimmering sheen to this curtain um Hey, this tunnel seems to be both godless and ruinless. I was expecting both, something more exciting. Both what and what? Nothing. Well, I think we could use a break after that dinner party, so I'm I'm not complaining. Um, do I notice anything like secret compartments in the walls, or doors, or clues, or footprints? No, literally none of the above. No footprints, no dust. This place looks like it was almost sealed, like airtight sealed. Hmm. Um, the stone right. is perfectly cut. You don't see any secret compartments, but when you get to this curtain, uh, Agnes would notice there is no rail. There is no kind of thing. It, it's just straight from stone into this gossamer silk curtain. Um, it, okay. You're almost certain that this curtain is magical in nature. 
Um, I'm going to cast Detect Magic. Okay. Yeah, you cast Detect Magic. You get the shimmer over Azara's eyes, right, when she when she casts mm -hmm. this. She kind of gets like a kind of shimmering prismatic uh, kind of coloration. The curtain itself, heavily illusion magic. You see okay. it radiates with, um, with strong illusory nature. Uh, that's the only school of magic you can detect on it. Um, you don't see anything else in this in the in the secret tunnel. Nothing else seems to radiate magic. Just the curtain itself. Um, and that keeps for up to ten minutes. Yeah, you can concentrate cool. on that for ten minutes. So cool. just keep a note that you have that active. If you want to ask me any questions, yep. just remind me that you have detect magic because I'll probably yep. forget. I will keep that up. Um, cool. Well, knowing that it's just illusion magic. Um, Azara will kind of nudge Clive forward and say, it's all right. Sure. I, I know. I know it's all right. All right. Well, you stopped, so. Oh, it looks like people were looking for something. Well, on we go, then. You're just going to pull it aside or, like, burst through it, Clive? Um, It's illusionary. So to you, to Clive, it looks like a curtain. It looks like a really pretty, nice piece of fabric draped over the end of this secret tunnel. Okay, I will open it. Sure. You reach up, and as you pull it back, the curtain's not in your hand anymore. And now it's just a big open doorway. Uh, it's kind of, you blink for a second. Um, Azara, to your eyes with the tech magic, the opening of the curtain dispels the illusion. Uh, gotcha. You imagine that probably from the other side, it was the illusion of a stone wall. And then as he's drawn it, uh... it's vanished and turned into what it actually is, which is a big open doorway. Um, but yeah, Clive, to you, you just kind of like, oh, that was weird. I'm pretty sure there was a curtain here a minute ago. But you're now just looking into a large uh, circular tower room. There are thick rugs of woven fibers uh, that line the floor, and there are shelves carved into the stone walls all around it. Most are filled with half-finished devices made of metal, broken crystal orbs, containers on their sides, other pieces of junk. The center of the room contains a large round circular desk with space in the middle for a person to sit on a cushioned stool that rotates. A large amethyst hovers on a metal disc beside a squat terracotta colored creature with short flabby wings and oversized eyes. The creature appears to be holding open a book to face towards the crystal. To one side of the tower is a spiral staircase that leads up and the other side is a stone pedestal upon which sits a dark onyx lantern beneath a dome of shimmering magic. Hey. There is a large chalkboard beside it filled with sketches and arcane-looking formula. Uh, the little creature holding open the book to the crystal looks up and looks terrified at Clive, and it just kind of goes... And it kind of, like, jumps around and drops the book, and it scutters off the table quickly in a panic. It's just like... Uh, Azara will quickly say, somebody catch it, and try and like, grab it. <laughs> it starts clambering up the walls as, like, it seems to hear Azara, and it's trying to get up to the, the top shelves to get away. Um, Agnes will put do? on her, like, sweet forest druid self and kind of be like, calm, calm, friend. We... We wish you no harm. Come here. Let's talk. Yeah, make a, uh, make a persuasion check for me. This thing, like, flies up. It's got these, like, little short flabby wings. It, the whole thing looks like it's made out of clay and cloth. Um, and it kind of flies up to the top shelf where it's perched. And it hmm. seems to be looking around. Um, 
as you kind of speak to it. Eighteen. Eighteen. Uh, it does seem to calm down a little bit. It perhaps looks a little bit warily. Uh, it kind of clings to the side of the shelf, and then it flies over to the chalkboard and picks up a piece of chalk and starts writing something on it. Cool. Um, uh, it manages the words uh, no harm. With a question uh, mark or a period? Uh, it doesn't put either. It just puts the words and then it, it like points at the chalkboard. Uh, oh. Yes. Zara will put up her hands and say, we're not here to hurt you. Uh, I, I, walk looks... up, I walk up and I take another piece of chalk and I underline it and I smile at him. The creature kind of looks at you strangely, and then it looks at something on the desk, the round circular desk in the middle. It looks at Tarkle, it looks at Clive, it looks at Azar, it looks at you. Uh, it goes to the chalkboard, and with one kind of grubby clay hand, it rubs off the words, and it writes, it, in really bad, it writes volunteer. <laughs> but it's spelt really badly. Uh, and then it seems to get mad, it rubs out its errors, and it corrects them. Azar will kind of lean in and say, were you helping the wizard that worked here? It nods. Oh. And then it taps the board. Volunteer, it taps it. And like, Zara will say, we understand. Not here to hurt you. No, it, it points at the four of you and oh. then taps the board. Like, Oh, you want us to volunteer? It holds up one claw. It like points one claw at you. We need, he needs one volunteer. Ooh, I love this game. What well, do just you if need you love us? This game, why to... don't you go up and volunteer? I volunteer. Meanwhile, I found I found the thing we were also yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> my my uh, detect magic is still up. What is, what magic is on that? So the first well, you can't read the lantern itself because around the lantern on the top of this pedestal is this shimmering globe um, of energy. The pedestal as well, this is something that the others wouldn't have seen as are, but you do. The globe itself is, I just need to check what school of magic the spell is. Um, I believe it's abjuration. Oh, that's bad. If cool, you think so. so. I'm, I'm just going for it. Okay, so as Clive is reaching for it, Azara, you register the globe of magic on top of the pedestal is abjuration magic, which is defensive, warding, protective magic. Okay, the pedestal okay. is lined with glowing runes that mm. have evocation magic. And Clive is about to reach it. Azara will scream, do not touch, do not, Clive. If you want to live, do not touch it. Clive? <laughs> what is right there? But it's covered in runes that might kill you. Hey, runes never killed anyone. Clive, please. We don't know what magic this is. We don't know how powerful it is, especially because it survived this calamity. And, and our little friend is telling us probably that it might Do not us. touch. <laughs> Thank you, small friend. <laughs> and it looks panicked when it's, it's like tapping it like. <laughs> we will find a way to safely remove it from this pedestal that is absolutely trapped and this globe of magic that is absolutely trapped. And then we can take it, and then we can leave. But as for right now, if you want to keep all your fur on your body, I suggest you do not touch it. Ah! Isn't that right, little friend? <laughs> you squishy little elves don't know how to live. 
points Perhaps it was Perhaps you little elves again. don't know how to die. How about that? I think that we should play the game, which will probably lead us to understanding this magic. I do think you should do the volunteer. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Do you agree, Azara? I do, I, unfortunately. <laughs> I step forward and I say, I volunteer. Okay. Uh, Azara, uh, Agnes, sorry, you feel something uh -oh. uh, in your mind. Do you resist? Do you wish to try and with, with, uh, resist the effect of whatever spell is attempting to be cast upon you? No, I assume it's a communication spell, so I let it happen. Okay. Uh, you... Okay. Something happens. Uh, it's Wagnus. You're stood there looking at the chalkboard, and you feel this presence. Um, something. You feel like some force trying to enter your mind. Um, you don't resist. Uh, and you suddenly feel like your very essence, your consciousness, is being pulled away from your body. Like, you feel you being pulled from your body and you find yourself uh looking out at the scene of the room you see your body you see the chalkboard you see the little figure you see your friends around you but you are just surrounded by a kind of purple light and there appears to be something glass in front of you like you're trapped in something and you're looking out on the scene before you the rest of you all see agnes kind of shudder for a moment and then she seems to look around and in agnes's voice it sounds like agnes but you you hear somebody like oh thank goodness it actually worked oh i my god i have a body i, I can feel i oh this is this young woman's uh, body is is uh, this is incredible uh, uh, I know. Well done, Gizit. Well done. Uh, and the the little creature is just like, and it kind of flaps back over to the uh, to the the desk. Um, and to you, Agnes, this creature looks enormous, and it sits down on the desk next to the crystal, not blocking your view, but uh, it kind of like sits there beside you. And you're just, you can think, you can you can have, you know, but you you apart from you, you all you can do is like tap this crystal. Your spells don't seem to work. Uh, it's like your consciousness is trapped. In Can this I place. like I can't move it or anything or like You're like shaking around it doesn't seem to do anything. It just seems to be like this kind of ephemeral space before you. And I can't um, make any noise, I assume. You can speak, but it doesn't look like anybody can hear you when you right. try and speak. Uh, well she does she accepts the compliment about her body gracefully to herself. Okay, yeah, you can you see that's the other thing is you can see and hear everything in this room. Because of the way the crystal is, you can see three hundred and sixty degrees around you. Um but the Agonist's body turns and is just like Ah oh, Well, I'm very grateful to this young woman for volunteering so eagerly and thank you for not touching my work in progress. Cecilia? Indeed, Lady Cecilia Braywinter. And you are? I am Zara Mithras. I, I, I'm sorry. What magic is this? Ah, this is a... Um, please do not be alarmed. It is a necromancy spell, but I assure you I'm no bone-conjuring necromancer. Uh, I was a student of many forms of magic, and... In a sense of urgency, I prepared this spell as a contingency were anything to happen to my form. 
and something indeed did happen. Many, many, I can't even begin to imagine how many years ago now, I've been trapped uh, in the gemstone that contained my soul, as it were. Uh, this is a spell called Magic Jar. Um, um, now, sorry, quick note before we move on. Um, our friend who graciously volunteered, we will get her back, correct? Make an insight check. Uh, Nineteen. I mean, there's hesitation. Without a doubt, she uh, doesn't answer immediately, and you can see she kind of, you know, she's flexing her fingers. And I think that Azara would be like, if she's been trapped in that gemstone all this time, and now uh -huh. finally she has uh -huh. a form, mm -hmm. there's probably a heavy temptation to... I appreciate her eagerness, and I don't wish to confine someone to the situation I found myself in for a long time. Perhaps we can make sure that we are all happy at the end of this. If I trust that you will ensure certain things, I would be happy to return this body to the young woman of whom it previously belonged. And I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that these certain things involve the tunnels underneath this castle and defeating King Radrian. Well, that I leave to your concern, although if you are, you appear to be nobles of Cormyr, though I don't recognize all of you or your houses, that I think you should consider a, a condition of, a goal of your own well-being. For me, I would ask that perhaps you take my remains and see if you can find a way to restore me to life, would be my request. And your remains are? Uh, they are upstairs. And uh, No, and she doesn't say that. I changed this. She points to a skull which has been set on the desk next to her. That is all that remains of my body. And it is why that this spell, if I... If this spell ends, mm -hmm. I have no body to return to. My soul would be lost completely. It's the only thing that has kept me tangible. Luckily, I had you, my homunculus. Where were you before you just entered my sister's body? She points to a small gemstone on the table. Uh, I, I assure you, your sister, did you say, my lord? Hmm. I assure you she is physically fine. No harm will come to her. And unless you harm her body, no harm will come to me. I really did not intend for this to be a... A, a, a ransom? I, I did not intend it to be. This is my only way to communicate with you properly, to explain the nature of uh, my work, to explain what has happened here in Castle Braywinter. Cecilia, I... Cecilia? Celia? Cecilia, Lady Cecilia. Uh, I find this is a rare occasion where all parties in the room are actually on the same page whether or not all parties are in the bodies they should be in um if you have knowledge of a way to restore your body i will do my best to with my magical abilities to do so um in the meantime i think that 
it would only be fair for you to explain how this castle and its surrounding area is half within the Shadowfell, um, what King Raedron was up to, and how we possibly can reverse it. Um, uh, perhaps you... I don't refer to him as King Raedron. The man's ego is already... Well, was, is... I don't know what really has become of him. He does not deserve such a title. He barely deserves the title of Lord, and I say that about my own stepbrother. Ah, my apologies. Good information to know. Sir Raedron. To explain, we must go back to... Do you know what year it is? Uh, I believe it is about 1492 or something like that in the in the Forgotten <laughs> Realms calendar. Something it is about... Like <laughs> yeah. uh, you see her kind of recoil. She's like, oh, my God, by the gods. We go back centuries then. Raedrin, my stepbrother, was a very powerful mage. Cormir at the time was desperate to increase its magical power for the noble houses to have a, a tighter grip on the wider world. We were threatened by those thugs in Thay, by uh, the Netherites, by, by the Sword Coast. Cormir had enemies abound. Raedrin believed that he had found a solution, a way to make House Braywinter perhaps the most powerful house in Cormir, perhaps strong enough to even vie for the throne. He did so by dark bargains, devils, fiends, undead creatures that he found could enable him to tap into the power of the Shadowfell itself, bypassing the gods and goddesses that call it domain. He could draw out its very essence through a series of portals and machines. He was building these, working in secret. I managed to discover a little of what he was intending. It wasn't enough to simply siphon power out to uh, to use it in the creation of items and relics. Raedrin had far more egotistical ambitions. He found the way to transform himself into a very powerful being infused with shadow magic. I don't know whether he completed this ritual, but on the evening that he and his disciples, these cultists, these acolytes he had gathered, were to perform this ritual, something happened. Mistara, the goddess of magic, something in the world of the gods broke, and a blue fire spread across the Forgotten Realms. It tore apart mages. It, I felt it from miles away before it reached us which luckily gave me the time to prepare this spell uh, to protect my work. But it was not enough to save me. The fire swept through Bray Winter and it somehow interfered with the ritual or the devices that Raedrin had and it pulled the castle into the Shadowfell. Not fully, but enough for creatures, for the people that were here to become these twisted things that you have no doubt encountered. The lantern, and she gestures to the one on the pedestal. What you seem to be interested in, though I'm not quite sure why. That was supposed to be a method to help me fight back against Raedrin. If he turned this shadowy power against me or others, I never got to finish it, but it may be a tool, a weapon to use against him. If, if he completes his transformation, this power, it's weakening or strengthening 
one way or the other, Castle Bray Winter will either fully remerge back into the material plane or it will fully merge into the Shadowfell. Either way, Ragewind will no longer be bound by the magical constraints, by this strange chance of magic. Either way, he would be free to wreak untold havoc upon dozens of worlds or people. I don't know when this will happen. Maybe it doesn't happen for another century, decades. Perhaps it will happen tomorrow. I don't know. But it eventually will happen. Now, if you intend to recover my lantern, if we can come to an agreement on perhaps finding a way to restore me to life, perhaps if you're willing to risk your own in stopping Raedrin, something I could not, I will gladly disable my wards. You can have the lantern, but it needs to be finished. It's... I never managed to complete. There are two missing components. And as a gesture of good faith, of course, I will return your sister's mind to her body. And I will consign myself to the gemstone. But I ask you this. Take my remains. Take the gemstone and my homunculus. Let me find a way to live again. I may be long out of my time, but being trapped here or dying after I've struggled to survive for so long, I can't just let things be as they are. I, I don't want to do this through dubious means. I don't wish to take your body, your, your sister's body. I just want to try and survive this. I respect that. Do you... So, Mark, above board, we were yes. sent here to retrieve the lantern because mm -hmm. it was a family heirloom, correct? Yes. I'm not misremembering? Okay. My question That's then correct. is... correct. Lady Selica, do you have any family? Cecilia. And Cecilia. yes, I had uh, I had many uh, sisters, cousins. The Bray Winters are a very large family. Uh, we were split into two. Raedrin is from one half of the family, my stepbrother. Uh, and I represented the nobility of the other side. I have a few uh, cousins and uh, aunts, sister. Uh, why? I'm assuming that perhaps is that why you've been sent? Has some of one of my descendants perhaps uh, sent you here? That is what I surmise. And if we do happen, if we are able to find a way to bring you back to life, uh, perhaps you can reunite with family though ages have passed. I will be quite frank with you, my dear boy. I have very little interest in that. Uh, I wish to live and see the world, especially now that perhaps it has changed so drastically. I suspect that there may be more to your mission than my descendant has told you. I believe that those who managed to survive Castle Braywinter, those who fled here, the power of the Shadowfell, the power of Raedrin, is not so easily dispelled. I believe that she may be afflicted in some way, or they may be afflicted in some way. Perhaps a curse, or perhaps a magical disease present in the bloodline. Those who managed to escape here did not escape unaffected, I imagine. The spell plague, the magic that Raedrin had conjured here, it was seeded throughout the family line. Many, many of my brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts uh, dabbled or took, you know, samples of the power he offered it may very well be that this has lingered but the lantern the dark light should aid you 
in removing whatever affliction affects my descendant as well. That is its very nature. The dark light is a weapon to use against those empowered by shadow or those afflicted by it. The idea is that it will reveal a person's true nature. It will reveal hidden matters about themselves and burn away impurities caused by shadowy magic. Uh, now I don't want to be speaking out of turn here, and Azar will turn to uh, Tarkal and the crystal, because she knows Agnes can hear her. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It seems as if it would be greatly in our and our kingdom's benefit if we helped Cecilia here complete this lantern, and if we brought the completed lantern back to those who commissioned us, if they are not afflicted, all is well, and we could team up with a reinstated Cecilia later on to take down Radrin before he takes down us all. If they are inflicted, then we are heroes and have saved people from being led by dark and corrupted leaders. Um, is there a chance that they are dark and corrupted and that's why they sent us on this? It could have been to destroy it. If we never found out who Cecilia was, if we never found out about its powers, we would have just been fetching a lantern and possibly aiding Radron in his dark quest. Whatever motives my descendant had for all of you, I'm afraid I can't speculate on. I can promise you that if you do help return me to my body, if you return me to life, uh, imagine this will be a difficult feat. My remains have been gone a long time. This will require powerful divine magic. But if you are able to do it, I'm a very talented wizard, a very talented creator of magical relics. I would be in your debt, and I would gladly see it repaid uh, in whatever means I can. But also the dark light itself may be of some use to you, even if you, I imagine that the descendant, if they want it for good means, they wish to rid themselves of an affliction. Afterwards, it will have very little use to them. The dark light itself is a powerful magical relic once it is completed, as I said. And in terms of Raedrin, I promise you that that is a threat. And if it is not dealt with, there may be severe consequences for Cormir or other realms if he is not dealt with. My belief is that he has attempted to turn him some, himself into something called a shadow dragon. That doesn't sound great. Above no. board, it sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is not great, no. It is a very, powerful, a very powerful foe infused with necrotic magic. Uh, using the, the shadow fell, shadow magic war wizard you have probably encountered illusion magic that it can create images it can create the appearance of something illusion magic has another property it can pull shadow stuff to make it semi-real it can make it uh, almost appear to have substance with so much shadow magic infused radrin may have been possible to actually transform himself fully into this being and that is my fear. It will not be an easy thing, but with the dark light completed, it would be a great weapon to use against him. As would any sunlight or any sort of magical power you have of radiance or divine power. And as do magic swords and, and knives as well. I fear asking this. What two components do you need to complete the dark light? 
allow me to i will explain this and then i will return your sister to her mind i do not wish to take this too much too much of her too much of this for granted the dark light requires two remaining elements first it must be empowered with magical darkness there cannot be a shadow without both light and darkness you could do this by submerging the lantern inside pure shadow pure magical darkness there are ways to create this with magic but if you lack those the shadow fell itself there will be somewhere that you can probably find uh, often darkness pools in the shadow fell like water if you can find such a place submerging the lantern in there for a minute would be enough to charge it with that energy the other and this is the more difficult item to acquire is something called a moat of brilliant radiance these are normally the coalesced forms of incredibly intense light these are most commonly found in celestial planes or created by celestial creatures i'm not sure how we can find one of those now that the castle is partially fused with the shadow fell but i'm sure there must be a way or perhaps you can find one in the material realm if you are able to return but it is difficult to explain. Motes of brilliant radiance are created when intense light of good nature, uh, normally created by good line creatures or, or beings that have pure hearts. Such a creature is able to create it through intense light. Um, I had planned to try and summon a creature, but then I was killed and trapped in a gem. Well, if we are able to take the lantern and your body um, back to our home in the material plane. I may have a way. This is great to hear. My um, knowledge of arcane matters, of, of history, uh, no doubt my knowledge of centuries ago will be of great value. You have it. Is in it, the time being, yes, please uh, continue. Is it possible? Um, or I should just ask this above game. Uh, in my in my arcane knowledge DM, would I know <laughs> if Magic Jar could like put her soul into like a tressum that we can communicate with, like if we need to talk to her again? So yes. So basically, as long as you take the gem with you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. can basically. And you know, this is a bit of a high level spell, but Azara is a war wizard. I'm just going to mm -hmm. tell you how it works. Um, she, what you know of it, not the exact details she can project her soul from that gemstone and attempt to take over somebody else's body. Now, with Agnes, she didn't know what she was resisting, so she just accepted it and failed the saving throw. Other creatures might try and resist it, but even if they do, she might just be able to attempt it on somebody else. But um, Sarah Lee wouldn't resist it if we took her back home. Yes, Sarah Lee would therefore be then trapped in a gemstone, but if you can yes. come to some agreement with Lady Cecilia that, yeah, you know... I, just to chat with her. You yeah. have like, a, you know, an hour a day of being yeah. in a body time and yeah. you're going to chat to us and then you come yeah. back, like yeah. you could maybe come with that arrangement. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay. Uh, uh, with that, uh, Lady Cecilia in Agnes's body, which has been really strange, by the way. Like, it's Agnes speaking, but it's this whole different personality and mannerisms. Um, she will turn around and say... Uh, Gizit, my homunculus, is I can communicate with him telepathically. So I can instruct him to write, I can instruct him to gesture, things like that. A rudimentary form of communication, but enough. Uh, I've been having him turn the pages of my books to keep me busy while I've been trapped here. Once I return, if 
you have further questions, I will try to answer them through him. But please, I must impart to you, if the gem is destroyed, I that is it. I am deceased, and I will no longer be able to aid you. We will protect it with our lives. We can promise you that. I have your word then, War Wizard, and yours, sir. And she looks at Tarkle. Clive hasn't said anything, so she's just like, I'm assuming some sort of bodyguard creature doesn't seem to like really know what Clive's doing so she looks mainly at Tarkle and Azara and all this your word then yes my word your heart seems true I, Thank you. I know I know you're in a in a hurry to get back into your gem but um you're... I'm certainly in no hurry sir if you wish <laughs> if you are happy for your sister to remain in that infernal prison for moments longer i am more than happy to take the use of and she kind of like she starts like just walking around the room and like stretching and just like you have <laughs> no idea do you have any food do you have any food or drink that i may have i, I don't think we do i have well there's a dessert in the other room <laughs> no we won't that's not the first thing that she should eat after uh, the only uh, the, one moment more i want to know if we should be concerned that your ancestor is asking us to find a potion of youth Oh, I imagine, no. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> she kind of looks at Azara and then looks back at Tarkle. I believe that uh, as a woman of advanced years before this all matters, I know that right now you see me in this young, beautiful body, but... Thank you I was in... My sister you're talking about, please just go to the oh, point. My apologies. <laughs> I was an elderly woman before this happened. If I were of still alive... Potions of longevity, potions of youth, they are very mm, favorable uh, to people in my position. I imagine that there is no ill-doing about such a request. Likely a woman or man in their later years who wishes to reclaim a little bit of their youth. Uh, certainly, if you have such a potion and you do bring my body back, I would not be opposed to perhaps some sort of bargaining uh, for such an item myself but I suspect that that will be long past any use to you not that I will have any money or lands to my name but still I will have my life which is most important uh, she kind of rummages around it. Anna does Agnes have like food or like water on her like as she's like rummaging around in like these packs so. and stuff she's like oh, do you not have anything with you I, I mean unless it's travel. like I guess if we're traveling, there's, like, rations. Rations, yeah. yeah. She, like, starts pulling out, like, nuts and berries and, like, ration stuff. And it's just like, um, um, and she just starts, like, shoving her mouth and drinking water. And she's just, oh, oh, my goodness. I've forgotten what it was like. Oh, very my well. mouth is watering, imagining what it'd be like <laughs> to eat for the first time in hundreds of years. Like, like hundreds of years. But it's yeah. while she's in the gym, she doesn't need to. So it's not like she's starved or being no. like dehydrated. It's just, just I really like sensation. eating. Just like the memory of it. Yeah. yeah. And she just kind of breathes a sigh of relief. Very well. I have your word. Uh, I will deactivate the wards on the Dark Lantern. She goes over. She whispers something in arcane draconic language. Um, some sort of command phrase. Do I understand Zara, like, it? It, yeah, it's like a series of code words. It's like okay. a password. You know, she's saying password one, two, three, four, but in arcane wizard language. <laughs> gotcha. uh, and you watch as all the runes down the side and the dome disappear, leaving the uh, lantern. Remember, you must be submerged in magical darkness for at least a minute. You must find a moat of brilliant radiance. Then the dark light will be complete. Do not try and take on Raedrin without it. You may succeed, but this will make your lives much easier 
before Goodbye. you wait before you yes. go yes um are there dark pools in the crossing between our realm and the Shadowfell, or will this need to be a trip to the Shadowfell? I believe you will need to travel into the Shadowfell, but mm. my understanding of what has happened with Bray Winter, from what Gizit has reported, mm -hmm. is that these rifts exist all over the castle. Mm. You may see them in the corridors, things like that. You should be able to use them to travel into the, uh, into the Shadowfell proper. If you do so, be wary. It is dangerous. Uh, there are inhabitants there. If you can find any of the Shadar Kai who are willing to be diplomatic, a, a difficult task, but some are willing to discuss and talk, you may be able to seek one for their aid, perhaps. They may be able to help you in locating a pool or perhaps even locating or perhaps even knowing a place where celestial creatures may reside, difficult as that may be. If you can find their help, I suggest you take it. If there's any other questions i think that's it no, thank you please. very much thank you you've been a good help and thank you we will keep your crystal safe thank you and with that she kind of her eyes roll back or agnes's eyes roll back and agnes you feel yourself pulled from the gem and then suddenly yeah it's like you can feel you know wind on your skin you feel like the tingle of your skin you can feel like your mouth is like is like juice and bits of nuts and I'm berries like cleaning stuck in nuts there. out of my teeth like <laughs> yeah. those weren't mine weird uh. <laughs> um and yeah you feel yourself return to your body uh the little creature kind of like hops up next to you and then create kind of very protectively like wraps itself around the gemstone like looking around looking Aww. a little bit sad Aww. um he's a weenie we didn't um, ask what his name was What's your uh, she name? Said his name? He said his name was Gizit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, Gizit. Azar will kind of lean down and say, Gizit, would you like me to put the crystal in my pouch? Uh, it just kind of like nods. Uh, and then when you take it, Gizit will actually fly up and land on your shoulder and kind Cute. of sit with you. And he has like a little, he probably goes over and finds like, um, like a little notebook and like a, char a charcoal pencil. Oh. And he like sits there with it, like ah, ready to like write stuff down <laughs> if he needs to. Um, Wonderful. He's like a little secretary homunculus. Uh, um, before we vacate the tower, uh, I assume this hasn't taken 10 minutes. Is there anything else magical that <laughs> that I may want to pilfer or look around or read uh, a book? Sadly, in this place, um, in this room, there is a staircase that goes up. Uh, but in this room, everything on the walls, there's all these kind of like half-finished experiments and like half-finished relics, right? None of them have any residual magic. Like nothing here except the lantern, and the gemstone that Lady Cecilia's soul is attached to radiate okay. any magic. And, and Gizit himself, he's also made of magic, so he radiates some magic as well. Um, the lantern's interesting when you look at it, Azara, because it's all different kinds of schools of magic have gone into this. There's some transmutation, there's some necromancy, there's some evocation, uh, there's uh, probably a little touch of conjuration as well and abjuration. It, it's quite a complex series of enchantments into this thing. You're not quite sure exactly what kind of effect this thing will have. Whatever it is, it's very built to purpose. It's very specific in what it can do. Uh, I'm going to take a quick trip upstairs. Me too. Yeah. Okay. You guys make your way upstairs. Uh, Gizit kind of uh, looks a little bit kind of uh, discomforted and he just writes why and then he's like shoving it in Zara's <laughs> face like ah, ah, uh, kind of like barking at it uh Zara will be like just 
adventuring and she'll just continue <laughs> i mean there's no I like the they can't stop you adventuring yeah. Yeah. adventuring shut up uh, <laughs> upstairs appears to be a bed chamber uh, oh. a rather immaculate bed chamber with a large four-poster bed uh there is a closet like a wardrobe um a very exquisite expensive looking wardrobe there is a jewelry stand uh where there are some jewels uh there's probably about 200 golds worth of fine jewels uh, yeah, arrayed on this jewelry us. stand she is yeah, yeah. um well actually well, you have her in a pouch him. right yeah she, um, oh she can't and, see and, and yeah, you don't know pouch. but you would Gizzet assume would that totally snitch eh. they're not doing her any good here azara turns to Gizzet and says we are taking them for when we restore her body he kind of like looks looks at you looks at the notepad seems to like his eyes cross as he's obviously like talking in his head with uh, Lady <laughs> Cecilia and then he kind of flips over and in charcoal he can only write one word on each piece of paper oh he's probably God. got like 20 pieces of paper uh, so he writes on the back of the first one okay <laughs> and holds it up Azara nods to uh, Agnes <laughs> yeah if you want to take it there's about 200 gold of fine jewelry yeah. um, just on the display um Apart from that, you don't really see anything else in this room. You okay. don't see anything magical. That's out. fine. Back downstairs I go. Okay. 200 uh, golds well. worth of fine jewelry, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Azara will just kind of turn to the group and say, So, portal to the Shadowfell. Um, did anyone grab the skull? Right, with the remains? Isn't that on a right. table in here? Uh, if you have the gem, I think it's best if you just keep them together. Keep them together. Uh, do I have a pouch big enough for a skull? Yes, just about. Like, your kind of about. satchel bag that you've okay. kind of kept most of your, like, stuff in. Like, any I'll, large items. Yeah. I'll pat it in there, and, I, and as I'm packing it, I'll say, do we want to risk chatting with our good pal Gallo again, or should we just go searching for a portal ourselves? I don't think Gallo would help us. He seems pretty indifferent. True. Well, I feel like we shouldn't venture too far into the castle, especially with so many monsters we're not aware of. Um, but maybe on our way out, we can take another look. I was, you know, in a crystal and a little bit distracted. Mm -hmm. Was it that we have to both dip it in darkness and find a mode of brilliance, or either one? Mm -hmm. Both. Both. Um, Both. As for the mode of brilliance, it may be a bit of a, a gamble. However, I could possibly, once we are back home, speak with my goddess, and she may be able to aid us. Um, you haven't you spoken have of your goddess before. I know, this is kind of laying a lot on you at once but I think this may be right for me and what she has in mind for me and she may help us who is your goddess we can talk more about that in a more comfortable place if you don't mind fair enough uh, I have one more question the yes. the lantern we we have to fix it before we take it back? I would think that if we fix it, take it back, we could cleanse the possible corrupted nobles. 
I do like no. cleansing corrupted nobles. I do not know if there are corrupted nobles. My instinct is that that they want to destroy the lantern. I think I think what we should do is we should use the lantern to help the lady by destroying Radrin and recovering her body. But then we can decide if we want to if we trust these nobles. I don't after that dinner party, not the one we just had, but the one prior, I don't really trust nobles that much. So uh I, Agnes I really has never looked just, more proud. I don't really <laughs> want to just go and hand over this magical item when they very well could want to do the opposite. I do not blame you. I think that's a wonderful idea. And say that the darkness within them is what wants them to destroy it, then handing it over will create that null and void either way. But I, I do agree we should fix it. Defeat Radrin, seeing as not defeating Radrin would end us up dead anyway. And... And then return the lantern. Order of there, operations. There, there also is the option, and I look over to Clive. Is Clive, like, itchy to battle? Is he, like, fidgety because we've been standing around talking or anything? Or He's, like, batting a glass off of the, off of the table. <laughs> he's, like, cat, he's, like, going up to the shelves and just knocking stuff over. <laughs> okay. Um, we could also just try to take on Raging without the lantern. Absolutely not. We will die. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we would die. <laughs> how I about it. I love it? How about since he's so itchy to fight something, we find a portal to the Shadowfell and he can try and fight shadow creatures while we dip the lantern in darkness. Does that sound uh like a good time, Clive? Shadow creatures. I was just told that there would be a shadow dragon that we're supposed to fight, and I'm just waiting until we do the next thing that gets us closer to that. Last time I tried something, I got yelled at. So I'm just gonna sit here and read this book. And just like grab a book. Uh, sure. And just Let throw me... it on the ground. Uh, <laughs> Let's see what book Clive picks up. Maybe it will be of interest to Clive. Gonna... Upside down. <laughs> gonna roll some dice here. Twenty-four. Uh, I have a random book thing somewhere. Um, it is. Uh, Oh, it is a... Uh, Clive won't be interested in this. Uh, it is like a... It's it's less of a book and more of a kind of ye olde magazine with like a hard cover. <laughs> uh, and it's it's illustrated uh, illustrated gowns and formal wear for the aspiring lady and gentleman of Cormier. Uh And it's a collection of kind of like catalog dresses that one can purchase uh, from their local tailor. <laughs> just gets thrown grab on the ground. A different one. <laughs> yeah, this one is. Uh, this one maybe is a bit more interesting. This is a collection of uh, magical monsters and beasts uh, that can be found uh, in Cormier, kind of like a hunter's uh, bestiary of uh, you know, kind of uh, you know, some sort of roaring gentleman's like, ah, oh, yes, the wyvern, kind of like a monster hunter book where it's just like, yes, this beast prowls in the deep woods and. You can use its scales to make this and blah, blah, blah. Who's got a pen? There's probably uh, one on the desk. He holds out his little charcoal pencil. <laughs> do that. I want to start, like, checking off ones I fought. Okay, yeah, sure. Kill yeah, that. you can go through, find a few Kill things. That. I'll just be doing that idly while I just follow them wherever we're going. Sure. Uh, two questions. One, 
who is going to take the dark light, the actual lantern uh, that is currently on the pedestal, and two, Gizit, once it knows that Clive has its pencil, it flies over to Clive's shoulders. And it's just like, wait, it's like holding his hand out, like, give me my pencil back. <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't fought one of you. I'll just write your, I'll just write your name down at the end there. Uh, are we going to try to find the potion of youth before we leave? I believe you already have it. We do? Did we find it in the uh Alchemy Lab? In the Alchemy, Alchemy Lab. Dude, my COVID brain is very bad that's lately. Fine. So yeah. no, no, that's I fine. It's been like two weeks as well. It's been like uh, three weeks, I think, so since you did that. So it's also fine. before we leave, we have to find a portal of darkness to go into the Shadowfell. Yes. You do? Yeah. Maybe our oh. horse friend can help us. Maybe. So, um, I'll, I think I'll I'll go up and snag the lantern. Okay, yeah, it's um it's big enough. Like it's a fairly chunky lantern for you, Tucker. You could like tie it onto your belt so it's kind of like hanging off your belt or something like that. But it's visible, like you know, and it's holding it. There's like a quite heavy weight to it, but this thing like. You would basically, um, if you want to use this, this is like a, an item you'd have to hold in a hand. So either you'd have to have like a weapon in one hand and the lantern in the other, or, you know, if you were spellcaster, you'd have to hold this and then have a, a hand free or whatever. Okay. Um, but you notice that there is intricate carvings um, all across its kind of onyx black surface. But there are also just these... Uh, very delicate silver and gold patterns that have been put into it all swirling with all different sorts of imagery but most common moons and stars seem to be very very common iconography along the lantern um, and it's set with uh six rubies at each kind of like point of the the shape of the lantern um set into it um it's very pretty yeah. very very pretty but yeah, you guys have the entrance that you came in uh, that leads back out into the dining room. Other than that, you, you there is a door that seems to lead out of this room as well, like a like a main entrance. Um, where do you guys want to do? Where do you guys want to go? And what do you want to do? I'd like to try, and I think I'll, Azara would express this to the team. I want to try mm -hmm. and go back and talk to uh, Gallo, especially since we've proven ourselves with what sure. we've done. Um, since he said, ah, you're going to fucking die. And it's like, ah. Joke's on you, we didn't die. we're alive, bruh, and we got what we wanted, so we're like, hey, yeah. we're gonna go do something stupid again, but could you I mean, us? you know, that's, he was waiting out in the courtyard, which is just, once you get out of the, the wizard's tower, you just go through the main corridors, and then, bam, you're at the main doors, so you could easily just step out yeah. there if you wanted that, to. I, I would, uh, that would be my vote, if we're all voting on which way to go. Okay. I'm with Azara. I'm down with that. Clive? Just nods. He's just checking. Check. <laughs> Three to one. <laughs> All right. Okay. You guys make your way out of the wizard tower um, and you arrive back in the corridors of Castle Braywinter. These kind of weird, half-twisted corridors that seem to almost stretch too far than they actually are. And as you're walking down them, this kind of similar eerie, your shadows twitch and move um, against your own will. Uh, the lights here all kind of play with your eyesight. Your dark vision definitely betrays you in this place. But I mentioned this before, like in sections of the wall up in the corner of the, the twist of the corridor itself, there are these like tears, like these jagged m kind of rips out of the fabric of the wall, of, out of the stone. And instead of being what should be there, 
they lead out into this jagged mountainous valley that mm. seems to be made of dark gray stone you can see it has a perpetually dark night sky and there is this giant kind of skull-like mountain in the background it definitely is a very different world like you get the sense that that's that's probably the shadow fell um are and there, there are all any? these kind of like portals there's these are probably just not big enough to actually fit through um certainly clive probably wouldn't be able to fit through them maybe azara could squeeze through but you're not sure if the others could follow you that you know they're, they're they're small but they show that there are all these tears but they seem to get more of them when you head towards a direction you've not been to yet which seems to lead away from where the alchemy lab was um there seems to be more and more of them in that direction um but the large double doors stand open uh you could head outside and try and see if you can track down gallo who may also know a way well, seeing that, Azara will kind of pose to the group and say, counterpoint to my own point, <laughs> shall we take a risk? And she kind of points in the direction of the larger tears. Mm -hmm. Based on your knowledge of castles, because you've all, like, Agnes and Azara have definitely spent time in castles. Maybe even Clive has, like, the, the, the palaces of the, the Archfey. Um, you suspect that that's the larger part of the castle that it's leading to normally you know maybe some sort of grand uh you know kind of meeting room or chamber or something like that but that seems to be that's the bulk of the castle where the portals seem to get stronger it's further in i mean i'm i'm game i don't mind taking a risk all right off we go then all right the sooner we go right. in the sooner we can get out and back to where my shadows don't creep me out and the girl <laughs> will just start walking sure you guys make your way down the corridor again this kind of odd stretching sensation seems to extend the corridor far longer than it should be and there is a chill the temperature definitely ah. seems to drop as you get closer and you come to a set of doors a pair of large palace you know castle double doors you know very well cared for carved um there is even i would probably say that in a place like this there would be a plaque above the door uh, and written in common, it says ballroom. Again, Azar will look at Clive since he's been the door smasher. <laughs> I was like kind of half, like he, he's basically been making sure someone from the party is in his peripherals while he's just like in his book. And he goes, oh, I, 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 door Does he smash. put the book away? Yeah. Gizit starts scrambling over your body to get his pencil back. He's just like, not till I'm done then. He kind of like crawls into your mane on your head and just kind of like rests there. This is my favorite pairing. I'm almost done with it. Kind of like bonks you on the head a few times, but then seems to settle down. I could kill you. I won't just kind of sinks into the fur. Hey, 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 that's right. And then the... I will door smash. Cool. Uh, you don't even need to use your weapon. Like, you just kind of shoulder barge and the doors fly open. They're not locked or sealed. Uh, they just kind of fly open dramatically. Can I close them and lock them so that I may smash them in? Yeah, sure, if you want to. They you open close to. It. I'm just like, ah, oh, these were unlocked. Sorry, I didn't say clunk. <laughs> 
and splinters it apart. Yeah, absolutely. The door collapses underneath your morning star uh, as you rip it apart. No, no monsters or anything come running to the crawl, but it does open its way into the room beyond. A grand ballroom, now gloomy with shadows, and a giant black stain that stretches across once beautiful dance floor and at the center of this large black shadowy mark that extends probably in like 20 30 foot radius uh, from the center of the room a single black long sword embedded into the floor itself Mm-mm. above Mm-mm. the broken ceiling <laughs> looks up into an open black sky mm. a, a cold mountain wind blows in the whole roof of this castle building has been destroyed in some way on the outer edges of the ballroom various nobles in fine dress have been frozen in terror their skin and clothing now a mottled gray at the far end of the room on the opposite side to where you've entered a grand staircase would have once led up to a second floor of the castle's chambers but the stairs have broken and fallen away torn apart by the rift that now dominates the landing uh, where piles of grey dust and grasping grey vines of pale sickly ivy have invaded through the portal and now invade the staircase landing. You can see as well uh, there appears to be some sort of opening on the the stairs themselves. Like a section of the stairs has been left uh, ajar, almost like another passageway. Um, but there is the, the large uh, portal, without a doubt, is a portal into the Shadowfell proper. You can see a winding trail through a mountainous valley. You can see more of these kind of sickly gray, dead-looking shrubs. And in the distance, this large, looming skull mountain uh, kind of staring at you from between this portal, this rift in space. But before between you and that is an enormous black shadowy shape on the ground with a single black sword in the middle of it. And maybe that would be a good place to take our bio break real fast. We can absolutely take a break. We are doing a longer episode today. If we want to take five minutes, uh, we can take a quick break. And then we'll come back and you guys can decide what you want to do. Yes, we shall be right back in five minutes. Don't go anywhere. Chat, you're doing a great job of being Dave. Please continue to do so uh, as we're on break. And we will see you momentarily. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back, everybody. Tonight's Evening Star. A little special extra long episode today so you've got another 90 minutes of uh, wonderful DD time with us uh and the last thing that happened as the party have kind of found some pretty important facts here in castle Braywinter, they have found the lantern that lady vanifer Braywinter sent them to find but with it have come some extra strings speaking to the uh soul of lady cecilia a mage who once lived here in the castle they've uncovered more information about the plot of what happened here and they've discovered that they in order to get the lantern to work they need to finish the construction of it which involves finding two magical reagents uh doing so will give them a powerful weapon against the shadowy forces here in castle bray winter but may also illuminate some interesting facts about their original uh about their original employer and whether they are who they say they are or are they, as Tarkal believes, completely betraying them and lying to their face? We don't know. Uh, but where we find the party now is having entered the Grand Ballroom. 
this large grand ballroom would have once been quite beautiful and decadent but now a large sort of 30 foot radius black stain spreads across the dance floor in the middle of it a single black sword sword plunged down into the floor itself on the far side of the room there is this kind of tear this rift in space that leads into the shadow fell properly and from it there's all these kind of vines and dust that's been pouring in from the other side there are also these frozen uh, nobles around the outside of the uh, dance floor itself frozen in fear and terror their skin are kind of mottled dusty gray and that is where we pick back up today's episode uh, after our little break so my friends my dear friends what would you like to do uh azara sees the sword in the middle of the room just kind of sighs <laughs> knowing that that can't mean anything good um and excuse me i don't yes. know if you noticed uh-huh there's a sword yep in the middle of the room mm-hmm. i'd like to pick it up i know you would <laughs> and you know what clive i have a feeling no matter what, whether you pick it up or not, whatever is about to happen is inevitable. Go for it. And she just kind of like readies her staff. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey then. <laughs> All right. As soon as as soon as you start going towards this sword, I think uh, Gizit the homunculus will fly off of <laughs> off of Clive and flies back to Azar and just kind of crouches into like your little bag, like. Azar kind of pats him and is like, "I know, I know." All right. Uh, <laughs> Tarkle and Agnes. So Clive's walking up into the middle of this room. Do you guys want to do anything in particular? Are you going with Clive? Are you staying with Azara on the edges of the, the ballroom? I was wanting to, like, examine the sword. I'm not going to try to run up in front of Clive and do that, but, like, I'm kind of going to follow go him. go with him and yeah. sort of look at it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would Just like the sword to... laying on the ground? It's stuck, like, blade down, like somebody's oh. plunged it into the floor. I would and like to this... use my magic awareness. Yes. Ooh, so, please tell I me what's that day? That. Oh. Yeah, what's it do? Uh, open your awareness to the presence of concentrated magic until the end of your next turn. You know the location of any spell or magic item within sixty feet of you that isn't behind total cover. When you sense a spell, you learn which school of magic it belongs to. So it's kind of like a detect magic, but it's it is, it's it, more specific kind of thing. Yeah. Um. There's two things. So first of all, that sword is a hundred percent a magic item. Hundred percent. A sword's uh, magic. The other thing is the rift on the far end of the room is also magical. It's sort of, it's mostly the gate spell, but it looks like it's kind of not being cast by a wizard. It looks like it's kind of naturally occurred kind of thing. Um, I, port, I, I point to these obviously magic things. You're like, magic. 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 All magic. But the sword, yeah, is, is an enchanted sword. It is, it is a magic item. So Clive and Agnes, you guys move up. And Tarko, what did you say you were doing? Are you going to go with them or are you on the edge next to Azara? Uh, now that I know that the sword is like, I'm just going to stay on the edge of Azara. Okay. Smart boy. Uh, Do I see I any... Just, I, just need, I just need a second. I just need a second here, guys. Just just give me... I don't, not for any reason. I, I just I just need a second, okay? <sighs> yeah. it's, it's not for yeah. any reason uh -huh. whatsoever, uh -huh. okay? So I'm just, sure it's just, just give me... I'm sure it's just... Um, yeah, just things. answering an email in the middle of the show of my, of my new sword that I'm automatically attuned to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. That's gotta be it. That's gotta, That's gotta be, be it. it. That's gotta totally be what it. it is. Makes sense to me. Yes. It's totally not that he's finding out whatever shadow beast is about to pull that out of the floor and fight us. Yes. Uh, God damn it. Is? 
Okay, uh, uh-huh. I will call this blade. So, uh-huh. Clive, you and Agnes step up. Um, when you step on the black stain, the black shadow that extends across the floor, uh, your feet touch it. It does almost feel like the shadow itself almost kind of like rises up like little globules of water. Like you've just stood on a pool and displaced it, but they don't go anywhere. They just kind of hover in the air. But it's firm. You make your way across. You don't feel any pain. You don't feel any kind of sensations of magic or anything like that. You get to the middle. Uh, Agnes, you want to examine the sword. Is there anything in particular you're looking for as Clive is, you know, taking the last few steps towards it? I, of course, want to see if it has any, like, identifying markings, inscriptions, Mm. anything like that. So when you start getting closer to it, and as Clive is just about to reach for it, you see that... It is a sword. There is a sword there. But all of its features, all of its uh, actual... The sword itself, with your very high observation, with your high perception, the sword is being covered by an inky blackness. Like, the sword underneath is probably real, but it's like something has spread over the sword as a kind of black energy or black magic substance coating it making it look pure obsidian like a pure shade of black and as clive reaches for it the sword pulls itself free of the ground and the ground beneath yours and clive's feet completely vanishes and you plummet 30 feet down into a kind of collapsed chamber tarkal and azara you guys see that the 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 black stain disappears and instead there appears to be this giant hole the same size as the hole in the ceiling uh it looks like it kind of drops through and it drops into a room like a chamber beneath the ballroom uh the sword hovers up in the air as normal it turns towards tarkal and azara and that's where we're going to roll initiative uh and we're going to roll some damage for the guys who are falling potentially Question oh. for falling mechanics. Yes, please. If, if I don't notice the ground is gone, do I wily coyote float in the air? <laughs> Let's see. You're a wild barbarian, so magic, crazy, weird magic stuff could happen. Roll D100 for me. And if you get over a 95, you tell me. All right, we're going, we're going digital. Whoop. Find out. That it's taking would not, a while. That would not be no. So sadly, you just drop. <laughs> there is no. Whoop, 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 whoop. You just whoop, fall straight down as soon as it disappears. Yeah. Um, I will have uh, Agnes and before we. Uh, in fact, let's record everyone's initiative. I won't get ahead of myself, and then we'll do the falling damage. Um, so initiative, Azara. Fifteen. Fifteen. Tarkle. 12. 12. Agnes. Uh, sorry, I was checking stuff. That's okay. I roll 8. 8. And Clive. 19. 19. Perfect. Um, this will be fine. This will be fine. Clive, uh, you, can you make an athletics check? And Agnes, can you make one as well? Acrobatics, sorry. Acrobatics check. Just to see if you can reduce your fall damage. No, it's acrobatics. I'm Dang. sorry. I can't just can flex into the fall. 
Can I tell you what I want to do instead? Yes. As soon as I feel myself start falling, I want to summon Candor. Candor! And then have Candor teleport me. So can you normally summon Candor as a reaction? Or is it normally a bonus Oh, it's action? an action. So I'm going to be Mr. Jer I'm going to be a Jeremy for Crawford and be Mr. Rules here and say that you are taken by too much surprise that you don't have the time to summon Candor. You just fall down. All right. Well, in that case, I roll a five on my acrobatics check. Okay. So... What did um, what did Clive get on the acrobatics? 17. 17. Clive, you do reduce this by half. So, uh, Agnes, you're going to take 10 bludgeoning damage as you fall you know, down. You hit hard stone. You think you break what you know, there's like wooden pews that you fall on, like a church pew. You kind of like pfft, fall onto those. You feel like the wood snap beneath you. Clive, you managed to kind of tuck and roll a little bit, so you're going to take five bludgeoning damage. Um, a hero landing. Yeah. Fist down in the ground. Kind of you crack the ground beneath you, but in a perfect half sphere. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. The uh, impact a really sends cool... a little shock through my shins, and I need yeah. a second to acclimate, but... Uh, a really cool anime theme opening plays in the background as Clive kind of lands and then the camera pans up. Yeah. Um, uh, but Clive, you are the first to react uh, and there is something down here to react to. Looking above, you see the black sword just kind of hovering in the air, beginning to turn and fly away. Uh, it's about 30 feet up uh, and you can see this chamber's about 30 feet across. Um, it's about kind of a 30 foot diameter. There are kind of broken, crumbled stone walls on either side, but it looks like you're almost in the in a broken church. And as you are getting adjusting to what's going on, you can see beginning to form is all of these dead bodies. You see t dozens of skeletons kind of spread around you. But rather than each individual skeleton animating, they're almost being sucked into like a central figure as a giant skeleton made of about 12 other skeletons. Like the skeletons like grip onto each other. They grab the arms and legs of other skeletons, kind of forming like a Voltron-esque <laughs> giant skeleton that pulls itself free and it picks up one of these giant pews as a club. Um, that is the, the, the things you see before you. What would you like to do? Somebody's well, just playing this... near Automata. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually, but that's, oh. that's dope if that happens. Yeah. Um, he sees this thing for me, he just. <laughs> he's excited. I'm going to rage. Okay. So we see like the swirl of colored wild magic erupt around Clive and then, uh, yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, this thing's easily within 30 feet to charge if you wish to. All right. Let me see what my rage does. Oh, yeah. I forgot you've got a roll for that uh okay four oh it's, uh so it's the magic infuses one weapon so okay that's gonna be that the weapon uh, damage type changes to force and it gains the light and throne properties sick all right cool okay all right and now i'm gonna go up to him i'm gonna start swinging okay yeah you rush up kind of this giant thing is formed now and it's huge it's like a giant it's like 15 foot tall um it's nearly reaching like the you know sticking its head out of the you know the pit that you are not quite it's about halfway up um but you can see it kind of like turning raising this giant pew as a club ready to smash down but you get there first swinging your weapon go for it all right so oh yeah that's a magic. uh 19 19 hits though not by much it does manage to kind of pull itself away so many of these bodies have compacted together that it's actually quite um def well defended but the the mace strikes true or the morning star strikes true all right 
And that is uh, nine. Now it's force damage. Yep. And I'm going to do that again. Cool. Bam. Uh, are you adding your rage damage, Nate? Not to backseat game, but are you adding... I never am. Uh, so then plus... It's an extra three or four? That is an extra three. Okay, perfect. I've added that on now. So Great. yeah, first attack, the Morningstar strikes in and it kind of pulses with magic. You see like bone chips and maybe a couple of finger bones from one of these skeletons fly off. Um... Oh, swinging again. Uh, okay, so... And I have advantage because I'm raging, right? Uh, no, it's on strength checks, not on attack oh, rolls. Okay. But if well, you that's... reckless attack, it's if you recklessly attack, you get advantage. But you want to do that at the start of your turn. Right, okay, cool. Because uh, then that's... everything gets an advantage against you if you use reckless attack. That's why right. you okay. might not want to use it. I confused the two, thank you. That's fine. Um, it's 17 plus 8. That still hits. Okay, cool. <laughs> no advantage needed. Nope. Okay, that is four, uh, eight, plus three, eleven. Eleven points with the three this time. So, bam, these two heavy blows smack into this giant skeleton's leg bones. Um, and you see pieces of bone splinter and fall apart. But this thing's still standing, and it's beginning to raise this giant pew up, ready to slam it down. Is that the end of your turn, Clive? Uh, if it yep. is, we have Azara, then Tarkal, then Agnes. So, Azara, uh, Jonathan, if you want to think of your turn, and then Agnes, think about your turn as well coming up. Uh, Azara. Um, so my target is the sword and the so you guys see this giant pit open up and looking down you see the giant skeleton forming you see Uh clive rush up and start fighting it Uh but hovering you Uh know in the air over the pit is this black solid black sword and it begins flying towards you and tarkle right okay so i'm gonna go for that first um i'm going to guiding bolt at okay. second level, this this thing. Uh, that's a 21, dirty 20. That definitely hits, yeah. Cool. What level guiding bolt? Second. Okay. Um, which is 5d6. F- Do I have five? One, two, three, four, and exactly five. That's six, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 points of radiant damage. 20 points of radiant damage so even though radiant damage the spell still hits and you can see that the huge chunks of the blackness covering this blade burn away as the radiant and he strikes it it doesn't seem to take more damage it's not vulnerable to radiant damage but it still heavily affects it and you can see that underneath the blackness there is a normal looking sword underneath it Um, the blackness seems to have almost coated it in this this fell magic Um, but the the bolt strikes against it burns part of it away um, but it does not stop. It still keeps coming. Anything else? Um, no, but this target before the end of my next turn, any attack roll made against it before the end of my next turn has, has advantage. advantage on it. So if nice. Tarkal so tries... Next person to attack it? Next... Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Also, just as a note on the movement, so you have the visual, you maybe have like a five-foot gap around the edges of this pit. Um, and then at the far end of the room, about 30, 40 feet away from you, is the landing with this portal to the Shadowfell. That okay. has been unaffected. That's still there. It still seems physically sound. But you have like a five-foot rim around you. So you and Tarkal are kind of stood next to each other on the precipice of this pit um, in front of you. Gotcha. Uh, any movement or bonus actions? Um... No, how fast is it coming at us? 
Uh, it's flying like as fast as a person would fly. It's going to reach you as soon as it gets a chance to get to you. It's going to okay. be within range. And does that look basically. like it did something to it? Like, but does the it, darkness stay off of it? Yeah, it stays off of it. Yeah, it seems okay. to have burnt it a chunk of it away. For cool. Sure. Uh, then no, I'm just going to chill next okay. to Tarkal because I know that being next to him helps him. Tarkal. Uh, I am going to uh, toss my kiss of silver directly towards the blade as it's coming head on to try to like. Bing. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Give me your attack roll, and you have advantage because of um, Azara's gunning bolt. Cool. That is a 27 on the first one, and then a 20, 30, 20. 27 definitely hits. Cool. Um, let's roll that on dndbeyond.com. So that was, oh my gosh, I got the worst sneak attack damage in the world. Uh, 17 total damage. 17 points of damage. So the Kiss of Silver being a magical blade, you do manage to strike the sword, and again, it kind of carves, and the light, the silvery light of the Kiss of Silver almost seems to burn away some of the shadow as well. And you can see that some of the shadow is, is falling away now, um, but it still keeps on coming towards you. It's like, flying towards you. Kiss of Silver reappears back in your sheath. Uh, any bonus actions or move actions? Um, you said there's like a five-foot circle, like circular, like I could run along the wall. Yeah, you, there's enough of a ledge that you don't even need to run along the wall. You can okay. for cool points if you want to. Um, but you can run around the outside, but you'd be moving away from Azara, and you'd have to choose which way you want to go round, basically. Uh, I do think this sword is pretty big, right? It's like a long sword. So, okay. you know, it's it's kind of like a hand and a half sword. All right, I just want to create like 20 feet between Azara and I. So you, it can attack you both, basically, if it comes yeah. towards one of you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you begin moving away from it, and you're not quite sure which way it's going to go yet, but you definitely kind of pull away, uh, leaving leaving the space between the two of you. Uh, Agnes Crown Silver, you kind of... <clears throat> you're currently prone on the floor, um, but you kind of look up, you see this giant bone golem kind of stood up before you. What's the plan? I am curious whether a hippogriff counts as a beast that someone could wild shape into uh i believe a hippogriff is not a beast but it's a, a monstrosity uh, so it does not count for wild shape i'm afraid okay just checking because that would have been cool and it was on that one of these lists cool. on the internet that was like you can well, wild shape into this and i didn't think that was well, true no i don't think that's true either that isn't mean to say because i also think that's very cool that's the kind of thing of like if Azar, if Agnes, sorry, was like, I'm going to go spend some time training with my druid circle and I'm going to learn to become the shape of a hippogriff. That's a cool thing we could do one day. Um, but right now. In this moment, as Agnes clears the rubble off of her body, she thinks, man, it would be so cool if I could wild shape into a hippogriff. Perhaps I will invest some time in that. Too bad I can't do it right now. <laughs> and instead, she'll summon Candor, her wildfire spirit. <sighs> Still blue flamed. Every time you've summoned candor or any sort of fire in this place, it always appears in a strange blue fire. Am I within 10 feet of the skeleton? I would say you are, you fell into the middle. So yeah, you're within about, you're, you're about 15 feet, but we'd say you're within 10 feet of it. Sure. It needs to succeed on a deck saving throw or take 2d6 fire damage. Deck saving throw for the giant skeleton is not going to go well. I've got to find what I, where that encounter. There we are. Uh, that is a whopping three. So it will take eight fire damage. Eight points of fire damage. Bone, you hear that you you smell and hear the crackling of burnt bones uh, as the and flame spirit appears. I believe I can also use the fire spirit because that's their own turn after mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe so. So Candor uh, will also cast Flame Seed. Cool. Which will be a 
18 to hit. Uh, 18 just barely hits this thing. It kind of pulls itself away, and you see the like the skeletal forms almost kind of ripple, trying to pull themselves away from the flames, but the, the fire does strike. And it does 10 fire damage. 10 points of fire damage. And the fire Again, seems to do like a normal amount of damage? It does, yeah. yeah. Okay. It does seem to burn the bones as, as it would burn any bone. Uh, and yeah, you see the flames, the blue fire uh, that Candle spits out kind of... Um, engulfs part of the bone. Uh, anything else, Agnes? I can't do anything else. Thank you, though. Okay. In that case, the giant skeleton looks down at this uh, frustrating uh, lion man that is striking at it, its legs and the, uh, the the woman and the fire that's been attacking it from it before. Because I did say it's within uh, 10 feet of reach, this thing does have enough with its giant club, Agnes. It can reach you as well it's going to do two attacks against clive and one attack against agnes should have used fiery uh, teleportation didn't think about that clive yeah. that is only a 13 to hit you on my first attack that was a very poor roll ah uh and then that is a 21 on the second attack hey hey <laughs> you are going to take my good sir 19 points of bludgeoning damage um so if you are raging that would half to uh what did I say? 19, so that's going to be 8 points? 16, no, 9 points. 9 points of bludgeoning damage. I've had worse. Sure. Um, that's the, the first two attacks against Clive, and then the second one, it tries to bring this giant club down on Agnes. That's going to be a 16 to hit Agnes. That will hit. Boop, boop, boop. That's going to be uh, 8, 10, 15 points of bludgeoning damage oh, to geez. Agnes. <laughs> kind of swings it like a giant baseball bat trying to collide with you. You kind of have to brace yourself as the wood kind of impacts and you barely have time to deflect it off. Um, it doesn't really need to move. It's got you both in range. The skeletons just kind of reform themselves, like clambering over its limbs to create new, uh, you know, structure for it to attack from. Uh, up above, the living blade will strike towards Azara. did the most damage to it, so it's going to go for Azara. Barely. Um, barely but still enough that this thing would uh register you as its main threat um that is going to be a 20 jesus yes <laughs> oh dear oh dear oh dear i rolled an 18 or higher on its attack roll in fact i'm going to do this actually no i'll just do this here Four. i don't like any of this this is very bad. Oh, uh, I just cool. rolled very, very bad. Oh, uh, good. Very good. As in bad for you or bad for me? Bad for you. Oh, not good. I'm rolling very bad damage, which is good for you, because I'm oh. rolling a lot of damage here. Oh, good, uh, then. You're confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still not going to be great for you. <laughs> Come on, you gotta, you got to give her one or the other, man. I, yeah, I know, I'm confused. Uh, Jesus. So, this thing in particular, when it strikes you, Azara, it swings with, like, a crescent arc. Okay. And the black energy all across the blade becomes razor thin. And as it swipes, it doesn't just cut, like, a blade. It's it's cutting with magical force. Uh, and it strikes deadly true. Uh, 
this is a special thing it does when it hits when i roll over an 18 or higher that's going to be 52 points of damage as it cuts through you just feel like parts of like your body just seem to break and snap you know blood a thin line of blood just bursts out of you as you stagger. No, that's not thin i have four hit points left just so, so you're barely knows. still standing yeah. and that was me rolling bad as an fyi i rolled really bad there uh, that does 12 d12 force damage when i roll over an 18 or higher on that yeah but you are still standing and this thing it just makes the one attack it cuts you down and you just feel like as the blood sprays out uh taco you watch as this thing nearly it nearly cuts azara in two it nearly cleaves her in half um that is its go fuck that thing uh i'm gonna wrath of the storm it real quick okay what's that do uh it has to make a deck saving throw or it takes 2d8 of lightning damage uh, I think it's going to succeed this because I just rolled 19 and it's got plus 3, 22 on its deck save. Never and it has technically as advantage. Oh no, this isn't a spell. Uh, does it not take any damage on a half, like half damage or anything? Uh, half damage on success. Okay. okay. So let me, let me roll that real quick. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14. So half a four. So seven. Seven. Points. Seven points. You do see that this blade, that black energy that's coated it between the attacks from Tarkal, yourself, and now this lightning damage, a lot of the black, the, the black magic that coats the blade has fallen away. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's it, whatever damage you've done to it, it's been very effective, but it's still, still alive for now. Did you say that drinking a healing potion is a. Uh action or a bonus action so i always rule it that if you're drinking a potion yourself it's a bonus action cool. if you're feeding it to somebody else it's an action cool love that yeah Continue. <laughs> live uh i probably didn't see that i'm i'm hanging out you guys you. you and agnes have no idea what's going on up there it's like 30 right. feet above you and in the corner spooky scary skeletons i'm gonna smash them you've got your own problem right now Mm-hmm. all right i'm on attack yeah uh, oh, 17 plus 8 again to hit. That's going to hit. All right. So we have uh, uh, 14. That's including the, the thingamajig. 14 points of damage. Yep. The uh, Morningstar slams into it, carving out, like sending almost a whole rib cage and a skull of one of these skeletons uh, sprawling. Does it sound like bowling pins every time I hit them? <laughs> <laughs> Stolen pins, yeah. Cool. Nice. You know, uh, somebody shady made custom rules for stalling and sent them to me on Twitter today. Really? Oh my god. Yeah, I'm gonna awesome. tweak them a little bit, but it gave me some really good ideas. So nice. Awesome. Uh, and again, that is a dirty 20. That also hits, yeah. The, these right. attacks. I mean, this thing is definitely well defended, but Clive, you'll just swing into it. Such a big target, ferociously just swinging the morning star around, slamming into it. Uh 14 again. 14 points of damage again. <laughs> At this point, you know, almost half of the skeleton has broken away and is kind of just laying on the ground inanimate. You know, you've smashed all of these bodies away from it. Clive uh, is also like scream laughing like a crazy person. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You just hear it echoing up from, from this pit. Uh, Azara. Yeah. Quick question. Before Go that. on. Yes, Clive, before we move um, on. If I end my rage, is there an amount of time before I can rage again? 
Uh, if you end your rage, no, you can you could re-rage because it's a bonus action to rage, right? So if your yeah. rage ends, you could just rage again if you wanted to. You can rage right, cool. if you want to. Yeah. You can leave, you your, can friends leave your friends behind. Oh. Thank you. I knew yeah. I should have counted on it. you guys. I should have yeah. counted on you guys. I should have said it myself. Uh, okay, is that it, Clive? End of turn? I will end my rage as a bonus Oh, you want action. to end your rage. Okay, yes. perfect. Yeah, so you end it. The wild magic kind of fades um, as you kind of shake your mane, and yeah, you're going to get the rage back. Azara, I have some bad news, which is at the start of your turn, mm -hmm. if you are within melee range of uh, this creature, it gets mm -hmm. to make a free attack against you. That's a natural one. <laughs> So <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind if I'd rolled an 18 or higher again, that's uh -huh, another 12d12. Yeah, You'd probably I'd, be dead. I'd be so dead. you yeah. just manage um whether it's like there's like a flash of lightning from your staff, uh -huh. you feel wind, like fresh wind breeze, almost forcing you to the side as like you're you're just stunned, too much pain, and then it kind of pushes you to the side as the blade just narrowly misses your face um just carving through the air as it does so now is your turn that was its reaction bonus action first i'm going yes. to pop one of those greater healing potions that we have on us 44 plus 4 hp cool you can roll let, it I'm not, let I'm me do it. that real quick um yeah. 44 that's two four 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 plus four how much is that eight i was four. doing a thing ah. <laughs> four, eight 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 points back sure. Jesus <laughs> 22 points back uh but i'm still under half so mm -hmm. i'm going to do azara's magical girl transformation Okay. Real quick. Um, is that just once per long rest, I think? I believe so, yes. I believe I so. The power from the Stellar Moon is in so long. I know. It's been a whole season. Jeez. Mm -hmm. um, where are the rules for that? I think it's on my staff. Yes, there it is. So uh, my spell save DC is increased by two, and I gain a flying speed of 30 feet. Dope. So first thing, now that I have awesome lightning wings... I'm not going to move because it'll have an attack of opportunity on me. I'm going to stay okay. here and I'm going to cast a third level witch's bolt at it. Okay. Yeah. Is this a saving throw or is this a, an attack roll from you? This is an attack roll from me. Go for it. 19 plus 7. That is a hit. The lightning arcs out of the staff, connects with the blade like a lightning rod atop a building. Cool. That's 3d12, 11, plus 11, plus 1. So that's 22, three. plus 23 points of lightning damage. Nope, plus an extra 3, so 26 lightning damage. So you watch as in a rage as this thing nearly cleaves Azara in two and then nearly takes her head clean off. She slams the staff, the wings as lightning erupts around her and then you just point the blade forward and as the bolt of lightning arcs out of the staff and connects with the blade, you watch as it ripples down the metal core, the, the, uh, the fuller of the blade, the lightning burns away every ounce of darkness that still surrounds this sword 
as the last fragment of darkness erupts, the blade falls harmlessly to the ground at your feet, Azara. Just and it just lands completely still. As a free action, Azara spits on it. Okay. <laughs> <Sure>. Next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you right. can now see it's it's a very exquisitely made longsword. Um, the hilt or the the handle of it is carved to resemble a black dragon with two rubies for eyes. Um, and the cross guard is like a pair of wings. Um, and it seems to have some sort of draconic script written down it. Oh, can I uh, read it real quick? Uh, you can, not right now, uh, ah. as that was the last bit of the thing. Uh, Tarkal. Uh, so you see Azara blast this thing, and then it seems to go still. Uh, was that the only threat among us? Uh, well, you look down, and Clive is currently fighting a 15-foot-tall skeleton made out of other skeletons. It's not uh, a threat, though. We're good. Okay, I, I will... <laughs> I will end my turn now. Um, how deep is the hole? You said thirty feet, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna just and throw my blade. Yeah. yeah. I'm give you a roll. Give you a nice little d20 plus eight, which is a twelve plus eight dirty twenty. That hits. Cool. Uh, and uh, Clive is next five... to it. Yeah. yeah. So total damage is twenty two. 22 points of damage. So out of nowhere, Clive, you're kind of fighting this thing and you just watch as one of its arms, the shoulder joint is shattered by some flash of metal. Uh, and then you see the, the the flashing spin of metal from Tarkle's hand as the arm just falls off and a bunch of these skeletons just collapse into the ground, just like clattering into piles of bones. The thing is still standing, but just barely after this uh, kind of attack from above. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, Agnes, and if Tarkle's done, yep, Agnes. Done. Um, I was a, a was, lad. <laughs> Thank you, Clive. So we're in this 30-foot pit. Is there any kind of, like, outcropping that's, like, halfway up the wall that I could feasibly stand on? Mm, like, I would, I, I would assume it's not, like, a do, sheer cliff It might face. be, yeah, it's kind of all broken stones. So there's definitely... Like, maybe there's, like, a timber that's kind of sticking out, like, a, a, a part of the roof of whatever room you're in um, that's about 15 feet up. You could try and stand on that. It might it might be... You might have to make a balance check if you get attacked or something like that, but you could definitely stand on it. All right, Agnes is, is fed up. So she's going to just run screaming at the skeleton. And then... Oh, no, wait, not yet. Not yet. First, she's going to do primal savagery so she's just gonna you know like fangs and nails very upset mode. yes yep. then run screaming at the skeleton do the primal savagery attack which will be a 19 to hit uh that hits yeah which will do so you tear into the bone legs of this thing 10 poison damage and then poison damage oh, i'm afraid that as the the poison is it you try and inject it into the bone you try and tear at it the poison has no effect on the giant skeleton then she screams in anger and candor fiery teleports her from that spot which then does uh you need to succeed on a deck saving throw of 16 or higher and take 1d6 plus 4 fire damage. I got 16. Exact. Dang it. Everything sucks this turn. But you do teleport. 
I teleport to that timber. That tiny t timber, yeah. So you kind of go up. The poison doesn't seem to have any effect on this thing. Um, as Candor kind of erupts in flames and pulls you away through magic, uh, the creature is pretty agile, and it does manage to pull itself away, avoiding any of the flame damage, uh, despite its uh, large composite nature. It does manage to avoid most of the flames. But you now kind of stand out of reach. The, the thing's arm and, and club won't be able to reach you. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, no effect from your attacks. Uh, being the only threat left, the giant skeleton will turn its three attacks. All on Clive, who is fine. no longer raging. 23 to hit Clive. Hey. That's going to be, oof, that is going to be 20 points of bludgeoning damage. Uh, mm -hmm. Not half, because you are no longer raging. I forgot uh, that was half. I shouldn't stop. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. The next one is 21 to hit. Hey. That's going to be uh, 15 points of bludgeoning damage. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is a 27 to hit. Hey. For 10 points of bludgeoning damage. How about that? 20, 15, 10. Um, so this thing just, like, Clive, you kind of stop. The color fades from you. And then this thing, like, knocks you up into the air with one blow. The next blow, it slams you into a wall. And then as you're kind of recovering from that, it brings the pew down on your head as, like, debris and stone dust and wood shavings are all around you, just kind of leaving you a bit reeling from these blows. Um... I gave him that one. <laughs> uh, and then we go jump back straight up to Clive. Your turn. All right. I'm going to rage again. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's see what you get. All right, all right. Come on, come on. Uh, let's see. Whenever a creature hits you with an attack roll before your rage ends, that creature takes 1d6 force damage. That would have been so, great last turn. That would have been so cool last turn. <laughs> would have been cool. Because I'm just but you've I'm got it now. Gonna kill him now. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna attack recklessly. Sure, you have advantage. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so, it doesn't make it to its turn. Yeah, that's a that's a twenty something. Let me see if that it, hits. Well, that fell. I'm counting it. <laughs> I mean, get that see if you get lower. that crit. That one's a Well, you still hit. Yep. Okay. So we got whoop, uh, three, ten total. Ten points. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then I'm gonna swing Second again. Attack. Uh, twenty-one. That hits. Yep. Ah. Twelve. How do you destroy it, Clive? How do you destroy ah. the giant, giant skeleton? Dude, can I like? Is is there like room in its like rib rib cage? Cool. Oh, I want to no. like jump yeah. into the middle of it and just start like bashing around from the inside. Yeah, so like your first attack knocks enough ribs out to give you a hole, and then you kind of leap up into the middle of it and just start spinning around and smashing, and bones fly out. You start just grabbing bones and almost like puppeteering it and smashing it around, like walking it around until you just kind of fall and there is just bones yourself. around you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you just tear this thing apart from the inside, and then eventually you are just left with yourself and a big old pile of bones around you. And that's it. And that's that's all that remains. And yeah, the, the blade above no longer seems to be functioning. It just kind of sits there looking like a very fancy looking weapon, but no longer covered in the same darkness that it was once, once was. Uh, the bones beneath. There is a passageway. The room that you currently stand in, Agnes and Clive, um, Agnes, especially with a kind of higher viewpoint, it appears to be some sort of church or some sort of shrine. Um, can skulls. I see to whom? 
Uh, make a religion check for me. Fifteen. Fifteen. I need to check my Forgotten Realms gods because I didn't write this down because I thought I knew it. I didn't know if we'd get here today. So, uh, where's my sword case? There it is. This is a symbol of, because I always get confused between all the different gods of death in the Forgotten Realms. Um, I believe it's Mirkel, I believe. Yeah, Mirkel, the Lord of Bones. Uh, this appears to be a, a temple to Mirkel, who is a kind of, yeah, like necromatic god of death, uh, who kind of took over from Jurgle who was one of the gods there. But yeah, Merkel is a deity of death, decay, old age, exhaustion, dusk, and autumn. The god of ending things and hopelessness. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun god like of old age sounds like such a bad tag. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, this appears to be a church to them. I, in fact, actually, I would say that this is probably like a temple to multiple gods. I think that there would also be a symbol to Shah, who is a goddess of night and, and uh, dark magic, um, as well as to... Uh, probably another one, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, probably to someone. I will tell you next week when I remember. That's okay. But yeah, Shah is definitely there. Miracle is definitely there. Um, it's not nice. It's 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 very clearly this is like evil cultist uh, chamber. Mask. That's the other one I'm thinking of. The trickster god, god of shadows. Uh, spies and thieves um, is there any loot in there there doesn't appear that this place seems to be completely desolate uh looking at the bodies that the corpses were you see very old worn tattered remnants of finery and robes um these look like they were you know people who were in the castle participating in some sort of ritual uh the only thing you notice is there is a passageway there is a kind of chamber that seems to lead further into whatever underground chambers there were here uh there is also you get the sense that there is something fell down into this place um and has since been removed there is like a kind of large maybe one foot diameter hole uh like a crater in the floor of this temple um hmm. yeah can i read uh, the sword yes i was gonna say jumping back up to the top. So Azara, looking down, you speak Draconic, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just a name. And you you figure that this is the name of the blade itself. Um, etched into the middle of the blade. Uh, it is called Ebonscorn. E-B-O-N-S-C-O-R-N. Ebonscorn. Is this a martial weapon? Uh, it's a longsword, yes. Darn. Wait, does that count? Uh, a longsword is a martial weapon, yes. If you're a high it? elf, I think you you should yeah. be proficient in them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is a strength-based weapon, so it normally uses strength to use. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, you can still take it. But, yeah, this seems to be... Uh, you don't know uh, if it is fully magical or not itself or what kind of effects the, the previous form it had. You don't know, you know, is that what this sword does or is this part of some other spell? I'm not quite sure, but that is the name of this weapon. Um, it's called Ebon Scorn. And yeah, like I said, it's got a handle shaped like a black dragon's body and its head, the pommel is the head of a dragon with two rubies for eyes. Um, uh, yeah. I'll just hold it for now, I guess. Okay. Um, I'm also going to real quick cast a little, uh, little third level cure wounds on myself there. 
Sure. Yeah, just roll that. Roll, roll that <laughs> spell up. What about the rest of you guys? What do you guys want to do? Like, uh, you've got two of you down in this pit with a kind of chamber leading off. Um, the portal, which seems to lead out into the Shadowfell, uh, is at the far end of the room on the staircase uh, of the room above. Um, what's the plan? It you seems like going to the portal is more pressing than exploring ancient catacombs. So, uh, I'll just teleport again up to the ridge and... Yeah. I'll point out all that stuff to Azara just because I think that she might find it interesting. Um, and then I would say back, uh, we might want to steer clear of those, seeing as we were told Radrin has all of his portals and horrible creations down in the catacombs below, but good to know they are there. Uh, Clive, don't go in the tunnel, please. I am. Come up here. I will go up there yeah i'm not gonna make you climb um you're a very strong lion man uh there's enough debris here that you can kind of pull yourself up with a bit of time just pull yourself back up to join the rest of your companions before um, i go up can i yeah. just like take one of the teeth from the skulls of this giant Ooh. skeleton just tuck it away little so, so that's the interesting thing like the giant skeleton didn't have like a giant skull the right. giant skeleton was made of lots of different skeletons shaping themselves into the form of a skull so there's like 12 or 13 normal skulls you could take or you yeah. could take like they were probably using their like like hands as teeth like in the jaws of the giant face that they were making you could take their hands i'd also um, been fine with just like taking you know a little one of little the skulls yeah one of the little like just Sure. Like one off and yeah. little memento. Hey, take, a, take a little skull. Take a little memento skull. It's quite old. Um, probably chipped and broken in places, but otherwise a fine fine Yorick to, to hold up. You just you. mean you just mean a tooth from one, right? Like yeah. a little human tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you just want like a little baby tooth. Oh yeah, you can you can just take that. I thought you want like the whole skull, but nah, no, you can just, easily just take a that. little something. Um yeah. when Clive climbs out of the hole, Azara will offer him one of the healing potions, the regular one, say we still have a potion of strength and two greater healing and more potions waiting for us back in Cormir. Do you need it? Oh, oh. Yeah, that's that's nice of you. I'll take you up on that. All right. You got a healing potion, my dude. I'm going to glug glug that right now. Sure. Yeah, you uh, you you take that down. That's 2d4 plus 2 for a regular healing potion. You can roll that up, okay. Nate. Oh. Mm. I figured we should keep the two greater healing for the fucking Shadowfell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm debating Maybe. whether... I guess I should fill up. I'll use a Cure Wounds. Sure. Taco, what are you doing? <laughs> These guys are all healing. You're like, once again, untouched. <laughs> I'm Gucci. <laughs> I think Tarkle would just, like, kind of hold up the lantern and just start, like, walking around and towards the portal, just seeing if anything happens. He's just really interested in... <laughs> okay. So to get to the portal, one of the things that you have to do is where you've kind of got this giant pit now and you're kind of walking around the edges, mm -hmm. you have to move past... At the sides of the room, there are all these, like, terrified people that are, like, frozen in place and they've got this, like, mottled, almost, like, dusty skin. You kind of have to either push past them or you'll have to acrobatically kind step around them like does, would Tarkle just kind of like nudge them to the side or would he try and I think he'd try avoid to touching them yeah he'd try to avoid touching them kind of like I don't know as best he can yeah I think Tarkle's agile enough that you can do that um you kind of avoid touching them you make your way to the end the portal there's no reaction in the lantern or anything like that as you get closer um but as you get there you 
I mean, you can feel the energy coming out of this rift. Like, it's kind of like this semi-stable uh, tear in space. You can see that behind it, there should be castle wall, but there's not. There's mm. this open mountain pass, almost. And at your feet, crawling out, you know, coming through the portal from these kind of rocks where there's this pale white ivy, they're kind of stretching like fingers, clawing their way into the castle itself from the Shadowfell. Um, ordering it. There's no reaction from the lantern, but I mean, you can feel this place. It, it's like a weight on your shoulders. You feel like a, you feel tired. Uh, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel natural, this place. Mm. I think when feeling that, Tarkle would just clutch the brooch that he has attached to his cape with his other hand and then kind of just shrug it off and look to the group. Wait for them Hang to come on. up. Give me, a, give me a moment here. That's a good point. Oh. oh, I didn't even know I was making a point. No, but when you touch the bracelet, you you can almost feel worry. You feel a sense of concern for you coming from that connection that you have with Willow Song. It's almost like she can sense that you're somewhere where you're troubled and there is this kind of concern. Um, coming through it almost like there's a connection beginning to build like before you never noticed that you could sense emotions or anything like that through this but yeah you, you're starting to feel that you know there's there's something there there's a line between you and and where you've got they've got these worries and this concern like that's feeding back to her somehow i think i would take a tiny bit of comfort in that actually tarko would uh just the idea of someone specifically watching yeah watching <laughs> over yeah nice uh right so everyone finishes drinking poshians and healing up with spells uh do you guys all follow tarkle mm -hmm. yeah would you guys push would you try and avoid stopping on the bodies or are you going to kind of um just push through them i would avoid touching them yeah avoid okay, okay. yeah the two of you managed to kind of like step around them gingerly clive that's the one i was really asking <laughs> i'll be honest Hmm. <laughs> I will. I will notice uh, the rest of the party avoiding them, avoiding and be like, "All right," and try to as well. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you still manage to. You can kind of step around them and stuff like that. Uh, avoid touching them as you step around. And yeah, you all stand before this this rift, this opening to another realm, another plane. Even though you've already kind of half stepped into it, it feels like you have one foot in the pool. Uh, but this would be stepping off and taking the plunge if you were to step through this portal. Uh, Azara will kind of look at everyone and say, remember, we're looking for a pool of darkness. It looks like a pool of water. Set the lantern in for a minute. Get out. We don't want to linger in the Shadowfell. We don't want to lose ourselves to the darkness. In and out. If we can avoid fighting, we do. If we fight, we fight fast and fight for our lives. Agreed? In and out. In and out. Hey. And she'll walk forward. Okay. Azari, you're the first one to feel that sensation is as you step through the rift. The pool analogy is very apt. Where before you felt a chill, you felt pressure. As you step through, it's like being dunked underwater. You feel this immense weight almost bear down on your shoulders, on your mind. Your heart feels heavy in your chest as cold spreads up and down your limbs. And you find yourself 
in a bar like a very dull gray world of these jagged stones you can see in the distance this mountain the sky overhead is just black uh there's no light there's no clouds it's just kind of a, a just dusky blacky gray expanse uh that's really it there's dust instead of kind of like on on the pathway there are these tiny stones but there's just dust everywhere um, and it's very oppressive as the rest of you step through you all get the same kind of sensation um very alien uh very magical uh, and you feel very very far from home this would be the furthest any of you have probably felt maybe not clive 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 lives in another plane so he's kind of used to it uh, but it's very miserable it's very depressing when you step through uh agnes is the first to notice with your massive passive perception uh the sound of running water you can hear rushing water like uh almost like a waterfall uh coming from somewhere nearby um you'll need to explore this trail uh but you all notice you all very quickly notice up in the sky i mean miles away but there's a lot of them flying around these dark winged shapes fly through the air like birds but they're huge they're like large to huge creatures you can see them with no eyes just these giant worm-like long flexible necks and gnashing teeth and they just just fly through the air overhead not is it the keizu from monster hunter is it that <laughs> ugly nonsense i haven't played that but you know the thing that the witch king of angmar rides in lord of the rings the oh, those yeah. things at the end yeah it kind of looks like those yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to look up that monster, monster Hunter, though. It looks like a dick monster. Super gross. It's it's a fleshy, worm-like <laughs> dick monster with a mouth. It's horrible. It's nice. Awful. nice. <laughs> um, Agnes will point out the direction of the, the sounds of water and ask, do we think that a pool of shadow would flow like water? I mean... Oh, uh, g g Gizzard, Gizzit, Gizzit, Gizzit. Um, Does I, I would pose that question to Cecilia. Terrifiedly, put his hand out. He points at Clive and then points at his notepad and then just holds his hands up. Oh, Clive, do you mind giving him back his pencil briefly? He needs his pencil back. He can't write without it. Mm. Give it back. Ah! Was it like tucked into Clive's fur, like behind <laughs> his ear? Yeah. That is the I most. Love it amazing thing i've ever heard i love, I love it. it that's so adorable i need art of that mm -hmm. uh, but yeah gives it the little homunculus takes it back uh what was the question he like looks at you again and now uh, he can write an answer uh if cecilia knows if the pools of darkness would flow like water and be in a waterfall yes or no his eyes cross for a second as he looks and then he kind of focuses ah, snaps his head and then he writes yes <laughs> great wonderful uh clive would you like your pencil back <laughs> He like tries to bury himself into Azara's bag with the pencil. Like tries to like take it in there with him. Uh, it's his. Thank you. I love that we all plane shift into this dark, depressing realm, and we're standing outside the door, and we're like arguing over a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know they say uh, there the is a winding mountain sword. trail. <laughs> Uh, Agnes? As I a guess. point, I'm assuming Azara took the sword, by the way. Oh, yeah, I have it. Okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Nice. Good to know. Um... Mm, I hate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, so... did you read? Oh, it was the name. Never mind. I remember. I remember. Never mind. Okay. 
Eben Scorn. Eben, Eben Scorn. Um, yeah. So, what's the plan, Agnes? Do you want to lead them towards the sound of rushing water, or uh, yes. as best you can? Okay. Uh, so, I'm gonna need a couple of things, Agnes. I would like you to make a survival check for me, and then I'd like you guys to tell me your current marching order, like who's out front, who's at the back, uh, and then we're gonna make some checks. Where see if you encounter it? any wildlife. Twenty-one. Twenty-one on the survival. Okay, good to know. Um, and then what's going to be your marching order? Who's going at the front? Who's at the back? Those are the two important places. I'm assuming Clive's up front. Okay. Unless Agnes good. needs to lead. You, no, you can direct Clive. Like you, okay. you don't need to lead the way. You can still have Clive take the front. You can sure. just have you. You know, if you come to a fork, you're like, hmm, that way. And mm -hmm. then Clive leads the way. Uh, who's taking up the rear guard? I guess I shall. Okay, so Clive yeah. and Tarkle, I would like you both to make perception checks for me, please. Uh, nine plus seven, sixteen. 16. 30, 20. 30, 20. Okay. You travel not for long. Uh, in the mortal realm, you're traveling for maybe an hour. Uh, you, Agnes leads you down a winding mountain trail. Um, and the terrain here is oddly familiar. You look back and where Castle Braywinter should be, there is in fact something that resembles a castle, but it is a ruin. It is a complete decrepit ruin of a place. There are barely any walls left. There is certainly no tower or impressive walls. It is just nothing. Uh, just a kind of decrepit old broken ruin. Um, the portal that you came through, the rifts, the smaller rifts, they're all still there. But the building, the grand ballroom, the, the, the major tower, all of it gone, worn down to dust. The valley is similar to the valley that the castle is situated in in the mortal realm. Looking around, you recognize the mountains. You can, you, they seem to match up with mountains from Cormir. The river, you remember there being a river near Castle Braywinter. And sure enough, as you wind your way down this mountain you see a black river running down through a narrow valley looking at the, va the river itself uh it is filled with those long-necked those giant long-necked creatures that all appear to be drinking from the river itself they fly in they drink uh that you do see like smaller creatures almost humanoid creatures like scurrying around like animals um and sometimes one of these giant creatures will swoop down grab one of them and then fly off with a meal ready uh to pursue the source of the river though is coming from somewhere up ahead agnes and that's where the sound of this waterfall is coming from you, you suspect there may be a plunge pool or a small lake or something like that that's feeding into this river that's flowing down um do you guys want to go down to the main river or do you want to try and press on to where this waterfall may be? I think we should avoid the person eating animal beasts, things, creatures. But so, what if we were able to raid them? That would be very cool. It would be. Maybe we should do that after we do the lantern thing, though. All right, I'll wait till after. Okay. I'm ready to go. I got those things prepared. Uh, so, you guys continue on, uh, Agnes uh, kind of guiding the way. You make your way past, and nothing attacks you. You don't encounter anything strange. Uh, you're keeping a wary eye around you. So far, everything in this place seems to be leaving you alone. 
Agnes winding through the, the various trails and valleys eventually brings you to a large plunge pool. The pool itself is not particularly large, but it's surrounded by these tall, imposing, jagged gray rocks and cliffs. The furthest of which has been shaped, it's been sculpted into a large, a huge statue of a figure. You can see a kind of humanoid shape of a giant, you know, not sure whether it's male or female, but some sort of humanoid figure. Uh, and bones, human skeletons have been fused into it, all clutching onto each other, much like the giant skeleton you fought before, to give it giant wings made of skeletons and bones, like kind of stretching out from its backs, all kind of gripping onto each other, clambering next to each other to create the image of wings. But the figure itself, the stone figure carved from the mountain, is holding up a giant urn on its shoulder, and from the urn is pouring this black water, or what you think is water. Um. The plunge pool itself, it seems relatively quiet. There are no creatures here that you can see. It is still there is silence apart from the gushing water of this waterfall. What would you guys like to do? Azara will hold out her hand to Tarkal as like far as thirty feet away from this plunge pool. Okay, so you're going to keep um, about thirty feet yeah, away, sure. And say, I don't trust anything in this other realm. I think it best if I use my mage hand to dip the lantern in the pool, and then we leave. Agreed. I love that idea. I love that idea. But also, I think your magic is better served on guard in case anything gets us. So, and Tarkle will cast Mage Hand to <gasps> pick up the lantern. So when Tarkle conjures this hand, because Tarkle doesn't have full knowledge of his magic always, unlike Azara, what appears is... It would look like a very kind of like slender humanoid hand and leaves and kind of vines kind of flow out from it. This kind of very natural looking uh, fae-like hand uh, as he conjures it and picks it up. Um, there is the mage hand as it gets closer to the pool seems to become fa fainter and fainter. Um, and then eventually, just before the pool, it not fully vanishes, but it, it doesn't seem to have the strength to hold the lantern up, and it dips down. Do I recognize that that's happening? Yeah. So can I just, like... Well, no, what would Tarko do? Not Shady. Don't meta. Agnes <laughs> kind of pats him on the shoulder. I think, no, and is like, I think... I... Go ahead, go ahead. Agnes kind of pats him on the shoulder, and she's like, it's okay. It, there's nothing wrong with not being able to hold your magic. It's, it happens to some people. It's well, nothing to I, be ashamed of. I can, I happens can to all and young I'll, wizards. At and some I'm gonna, point in their life. I'm gonna step like closer to be th thinking that like, hey, it's because I'm too far away from my mage hand. So I'm gonna step like ten feet closer and see if. So yeah, you step ten it. feet closer. The effect on the mage hand is still the same. Like it seems that whenever the mage hand gets too close to the pool, because it's only a cantrip, the magic just doesn't seem to have enough strength to hold the lantern up. Almost like the lantern is becoming heavier and heavier the closer it gets to the pool. Interesting. Because the mage hand can only hold up to about five pounds, and it, that's definitely how it feels. It's like it's struggling oh. to hold the lantern up, and the magic's fading away from it. Okay, then I think I look to 
uh, Agnes because she said that. She's like, I don't think it's me. I think it's just the pressure from the shadows. Mm, I, mm -hmm. I think I have to go actually hold it. Yeah. Um, Azara realizing this as well. So <laughs> well, look, to, who who was it before that cast passed without a trace? Because Azara would remember that. Uh, Azara? Uh, no, sorry, Agnes? Me. Agnes? It wasn't me. Had the what, sorry? It cast pass without a trace. I believe I can do that. Let yeah. me check. Uh, yes, I can. Um, Azara will kind of sigh and, and look to Agnes and then look to Tarkal. As much as I don't want to put my nobles in any danger, Tarkal, you are the quietest of us all, and with your sister's help, you may be able to go completely unnoticed. I don't want to ask something of you that you would not feel comfortable with. However, it looks like magic may not aid us in this darkness. I am very quiet. And then Tarko will just start walking, so I guess Agnes will have to cast whatever <laughs> magic she Agnes will just be like, and cast Pass Without Trace, which will make okay. all of us... Everyone within 30 feet of me, so all of us are stealth. Yeah, you get plus 10 to stealth and you leave no physical traces. So as you step, and the, the floor here is all like, um, you kind of probably all thought it was like a, a white stone, like stone shale. It's bone, like you're standing on like tiny chips and fragments of bone, like sand. Um, but you're kind of, you realize your footprints, you're not leaving footprints as you step closer and closer. You're like almost gently touching the top of it. So give me a stealth check if you're moving quietly, Tarkle. Yep. Um, I rolled a 19. My stealth modifier is 12, so that's 31. Plus, plus 10. 10 41. 41 stealth. Jeez. He makes no I... sound. The the crunching of the bones underneath his boot underneath his boot stops. He's gone. He's, He's like a disappears. ghost. <laughs> so without like, noise, don't even remember we, him. Yeah, we forgot who he was. <laughs> we all just went. Why are we here? <laughs> Tarkle, you move up to where the mage hand had the lantern because you have to pick it back up again where the mage hand has like left it on the ground. It's heavy. Like you go to pick it up and it's like, oh, it's like lifting weights. It, it's, it's tripled, maybe even quadrupled in its weight, maybe even more than that. Um, and you have to hold it up and then you begin moving it closer and closer. And as you get closer and closer to the to the water, the water, the shadow pool, it the weight is unbearably heavy but you can hold it you've got like a decent strength score and, and you're an athletic guy you can hold it um but probably not for very long what are you going to do what are you just going to dip it in are you going to kind of put your hand in with it like the the thing you were told was you had to submerge it for a minute um, what's how do you approach this water with this heavy heavy so this, this thing feels like 50 60 pounds right now yeah it's it feels really super heavy um, and the, the more in, the more close to the water it gets, the heavier it seems to become. Um, oh, yeah, I think Tarkal already. I was already. I was gonna say. I was already being. Uh, I don't know what the word would be, but put down by his sister. He's gonna look back and be like, <laughs> uh, "This thing, this magic, is making this thing extremely heavy, and I'm afraid I might let go if I dunk it. If the pressure from these shadows makes it any heavier, so I on it." Thank you. What are you Can talking we, is, about? Is she was being encouraging. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, does Clive move stealthily? Uh, before Clive moves, I'll be like, quietly, please. <laughs> he hey. has Pass Without Trace, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's plus 10, so stealth check. Mm. So, 
with the plus 10, that would be a 14. Nice. <laughs> nice. I rolled crunch, a crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's Clive. He he doesn't do many things quietly. So as he moves up, um, it's like sneaking in every step is just um, leaves no footprints, but still makes noise. Uh, when you get to talk, no, nothing disturbs. The water is apart from the water that's pouring out of this urn. The water is almost perfectly still. It seems to almost cascade into the pool, and then it just becomes perfectly still. There's no ripples or anything like that. You get to the to Tarkle and you help like you can help him with the thing. Are you gonna hold it, Clive, or are you helping Tarkle hold it up? What's the plan here, guys? Does it feel like it'd be easy for me to do it by myself, or is it like I mean, if all you've got to do is walk up to the water and dunk it in, yeah, that seems pretty easy. I mean, right. holding the lantern, Clive, like oh, even for you, like, oh yeah, the kid wasn't lying, like Tarkle wasn't lying. This is heavier. This is way heavier than it should be. But it's still, still, I'll just, I'll just take it. Like, oh, okay. I see how he's throwing all right. eyes. So you get over to the water, and then are you going to dunk like the whole thing in with your hand, or are you going to kind of like gingerly kind of like? As he, I'll just as hold he, it for a minute. I was going to say, as okay. as Clive takes it for me, I want to, I want to look to him and be like, it, it is heavy, right? It's not. <laughs> oh, it's plenty heavy. It's uh, it's it's very very weighty. And you're not afraid of of of, of the pressure. You know, taking it away from you. Oh, of, of course I'm afraid. Um, um, but I, I think I think there's a chance I could do it. But it is very heavy. Do you, do you think we should anchor it to the ground with like a tire? Do we have do you have rope? We don't have to show my sister. But <laughs> all right then. Well, off I go then. I'll just do it. Oh. And Tarko, you gonna you're gonna stay away from the pool as Clive goes up and dunks this. No, I, go I honestly think that Tarko would be pretty close. Like. Yeah, he's kind of like sticking he, next to Clive. Tarko like, really I'm like helping. He, he almost hopes that something does happen so that he doesn't feel like it's it's You're just like, his huh, imagination. <laughs> sure. Okay. So the two of you make your way to the pool's edge and you watch as Clive reaches out and dunks the lantern in. And as as you do that, you kind of look down at the water where you're dunking it in. And as when the lantern touches it, both of you, and Zara and Agnes don't notice this, but the two of you, when you stare into that inky dark endless blackness you begin to see things i need both of you to make intelligent saving throws Ooh. i'm not that sm oh i am smart Ooh. i rolled a two so that's only ah! six well, let's see what climber was that i'm smart Seven. i rolled a two 17 17 okay you both begin to see things. Now, for Tarkle, I know, but for Clive, what are, what would some of Clive's fears be? What are the kind of things is is Clive is Clive like afraid of like becoming weaker or like seeing his pride being killed? Like, are those things that would be great fears to Clive? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, when you look in, Clive, you both look into this pool, and your vision becomes full of flashes and images clive you see the pride burning the fields the plains burning they're screaming your name why didn't you why didn't you save us clive clive you're supposed to help us you're supposed to be here you know all these voices clamoring out for you you have left us to die like these horrid things kind of flashing in your mind and you feel that 
you were too weak or you were too afraid to help them and, and you know that it's all your fault tarkle for you you dip it in you're in the woods your father's gone he was butchered by wolves in front of you and everybody's just saying the same thing useless weak no place you don't belong here nobody wants you and these words are just echoing through your mind and you see these flashes clive you managed to cut you're like you resist you're like no this this isn't right something about this is wrong and you're kind of keeping yourself like trying to blink out or trying to focus through it harkle like you just feel yourself being sucked in azara and agnes you see for a moment Tarkle dips down lower, like as if he's being pulled into the water. Where Clive has dunked the lantern, Tarkle stumbles forward and is like on his hands and knees being drawn in. I need uh, Tarkle, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw this time. Uh, okay. Clive, same for you as well. Wisdom saving throw, please. Can I do something? Can I make a, do a reaction? So this is all, like, to them, this is happening instantaneously. Okay, okay. You begin running towards him, but okay. these saving throws are, like, one gotcha. after the other. But you're, like, you and Agnes, I'm assuming, start, like, when you see Tarkle, you're, like, Tarkle, like, running towards him. Uh, so I rolled a 19, but I have a minus one, so 18. 18? Uh, I also have a minus one, and I rolled an eight. Okay. So this time it's reversed. This time it's more about your what you envy in others. So for Tarkal, I imagine this is probably more uh, the visions kind of flash and, and the scenes of, of your butchered father and being told you don't have a place you belong and you're not wanting, all these things fade. Um, and this time you see... Uh, Agnes and you see everybody loving her and supporting her and being proud of her and telling everybody what a, a great noble she is what a great leader she is and you're watching it and everyone's ignoring you nobody wants to pay attention to you they don't even notice you you're firmly within her shadow and she's burning so brightly it's almost blinding to you but you don't resent her for it you don't feel that sense of jealousy and envy overcome you you kind of fight it off you're proud of Agnes. You're proud of what she's accomplished. She is a good leader. She is a great noble. And so are you. And you know that in your heart. And you manage to kind of retain some of yourself. But for Clive, well, there's a figure. And I don't, you tell me who it is, Clive, but there's a figure, somebody in your life that you greatly envy, that you want to be, and they have everything you want and you hate them for it. You you want everything they have and you'd be do, you'd be willing to do anything to get it. Don't like that. Also, have no idea who that would be. Oh, maybe we say it's like a rival pride, like it's like a rival warrior in in the the Wild Main Clan, right? Like you know, there's some figure somewhere, and maybe it's just a made up person. Maybe it's not even a real person, but you the... see this warrior, and you just want everything they have, and you you'd kill them to get it, and you feel that envy kind of take root in your heart. And Agnes and Azara, as you're running this time, Clive sinks in and the lantern sinks in further as his arm is almost dragged down into the pool i need you both to make a charisma saving throw i like good at charisma oh four 12 plus four so 16 16 nine nine okay uh so tarkle uh, don't fears, don't envies. Um, 
there is a brief moment where the scenes of, of Agnes kind of fade once more. And now uh, there is somebody that Tarkle would hate. Somebody that you would have a burning hatred for. Do you have an idea of who that could be? Um, wow. It would probably be my mom. Okay. So you see this resplendent kind of adventurous mom, uh, your mother, who is this famous adventurer who, you know, and it... Uh, the scene that we see with Tarkal is she's there. You're a young boy once again, and you're with your father, way younger, being dropped off or, or kind of just being given to your father, and you're watching her walk away, leaving you in this life. But unlike before when you were a child where you didn't understand who she was or where she came from, now in the distance behind her, you see the life that she's denying you. And that hatred kind of seeds in you. But once again, you find a clarity of presence of mind. And it's it's the knowing of Agnes. And it's knowing of the love that your father would give you. The love that you would have in the village of the people that kind of keeps you, keeps that hatred from, from burning you up. And, and kind of turning you into something you're not. It kind of holds it back. But for Clive, and again, I don't know if there's a specific figure that Clive would particularly hate. There is uh, now. Okay. By all that means. That would be Cliff of the Mildmane. Cliff of the Mildmane. Uh, a, a, a most hated, bitter rival um, that has done you wrong in some way. And you hate this person. Somebody that you know deep down you truly, truly hate. And that hate engulfs you. It sets your skin, your fur burning uh, to the point where you are no longer Clive of the Wild Mane, but a beast, a wild, raging, frothing beast. And as that rage consumes you, Agnes Azara, you watch as Clive falls into the pool and is dragged under just as you reach the shore and you're kind of calling out for him. He falls fully in. Can I do a uh, thing? You I can, can do, also a do a thing, thing. now. As he as he is 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 pulled beneath the water, and you can't see him. Once he goes into the the, the pure black Shit. water, you, he's gone. You don't see him at all. Um, I can do a thing. Parkour, you snap out of it, uh, and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Go on, Agnes. So he is still within five feet of me because he just fell in. You hope. So I'm gonna cast fiery teleportation and just hop back like ten feet from the from the edge that goes that goes five feet they have to be within yeah H how's this working so you're targeting clive with the teleport to pull him yes. to you so the way that fire teleportation works is the spirit and each willing creature of your choice within five feet of it you would have to summon your fire spirit first. it's already summoned you? when did you summon it during the last fight it's been it, how long does it last it's been a an lot hour. longer than an hour it's been an hour because you were traveling for an hour through the the shadow fell. oh i didn't realize that yeah i thought it was summoned otherwise i would have done that before do i when i snap out of it do i watch clive get sucked in like do i you you snap out of it the second like clive's feet disappear below the water okay. and in fact because the timing is so good that's where we're in today's episode no uh, no i wanted to no. try a thing 
you can save that awesome, cool, epic, amazing thing that I know you're going to do <laughs> for next week. Ooh, wow. what a fun game. That was a fun game. And oh, chat, goodness. you did a great job trying to fill in for Dave. Thank you. Job chat. Job chat. And Mark, I apologize. You guys, I, 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 I do like. hope it was a good episode. I know it, it was. was. A, it was a long time. I'm glad. Okay. No, it actually uh, didn't even, it actually didn't feel long to me, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, no, me actually, neither. It actually even felt shorter than some of our two-hour episodes. So it was yeah. crazy. It was great. Oh, my God. Somebody just pointed out that it's a cliff cliffhanger. Ah! Um, ah! I love it. I love nice. it. Um, cool. Well, yeah, that's that's it for our uh, little extra long episode today. Uh, as uh, yeah, the uh, the team. Well, now you're officially uh, in the realm of going to other planes. Now, team, uh, you're deep uh -oh. in the Shadowfell. Yeah. Um, and we've got we've got a we've got a wet kitty to save next week. That's what we got to do. <laughs> uh, get him out of that water. Um, but seriously, thank you very much. Uh, we are. Let's do some shout outs, and then we're gonna wrap it up for the episode. Who first, Mark? I would like uh, you, Anna Prosser, <gasps> to take us away. Because I know you're such an expert at it. You're going to inspire the rest of us. Aw, shucks. Well, normally I would have Extra Brains on Friday, which is a show that you can submit topics or questions for um, that you would like DJ Wheat and I to brainstorm about. So I highly recommend that if you have anything on your mind that you would like some extra brain power lent to, that you do that. The submission um, is... I tweeted the link just today, so it's at the top of my Twitter. Um, but I'm not doing Extra Brains this week. You'll have to wait till the next Friday because this week I'm hosting Twitch Rivals for the first time, which is very Ooh. exciting. We're having an overcooked competition, which is oh a favorite game of mine. So I will be over there on Twitch Rivals on Friday. And also um, my dog has not only an Instagram, but now a TikTok, both under Happy Niski. I highly recommend them. They're better than mine. I choose Mika. TikTok Hi. game too. I love it. I'm Mika. Um, I just hosted Star Trek's first contact day. So if you're into Star Trek, uh, that's going to be on Star Trek's YouTube. I don't know. Does Star Trek have a YouTube? I, I should be better at this. <laughs> um, but Will Wheaton and I co-hosted and we did a bunch of fun panels uh, talking to really awesome people in the Star Trek family about Star Trek because apparently yesterday canonically is when there's somebody in star trek made first contact i'm so bad at star trek you guys i'm so sorry um also i have a, a instagram that's mika strides and you can see my adventures in horseback riding i'm leasing a horse now his name is boo he's black and he is a very dapper old man and he paws his hoof when he wants treats he has us all trained oh. uh he's a very good boy um and that's all uh Penguin. Hello, I am Penguin. Penguin. Who penguin. She is referring about. Uh, you can you can catch Penguin at twitch.tv slash shadypenguin, uh, where the shade is always comforting. Uh, we are playing video games. Uh, I'm on Twitch. I'm on Twitter. I am wearing cantrip by cantripbrand.com, and I tag Nate. Hey, I I am Nate of by It's just cantripbrand.com. I was just telling Twitch. them to buy it. I was yes. like, buy, yeah. And if, if you want to uh, buy other stuff and you also like Pokemon cards that have been graded by companies that uh, actually tell you how good a thing is and you want to make a buy that, go to natecg.com. We have so many Charizards. Dear God, 
please take some of these Charizards. I'm too many. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Mark. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Uh, you can check me out. I do a lot of D&D stuff uh, here on, on Twitch, but on my show called High Rollers D&D, come and check out High Rollers D&D. We pretty much stream um, Thursdays and Sundays. Thursdays, we're currently doing Curse of Strahd, but Sundays is our big day. That's our like main campaign. It's a cool sci-fi fancy mix. Uh, we're now in the pretty much the high levels. We're like level 14 doing epic level stuff. It's very Avengers. Uh, come and check that out. That's on Sundays at 5 p.m. UK time on twitch.tv forward slash high rollers D&D. And then the other place you can find me is on my Twitter, which is at Sherlock underscore Humes. I'm not really doing a lot else at the minute. I'm trying to kind of downscale on some of the stuff I was doing to try and stay sane. So come and check me out on Twitter and then come and watch High Rollers D&D. And of course, keep watching Knights of Evening Star and spreading the love about Knights of Evening Star and telling people to come and watch our great show. And that's it. That's it from me. That's it from us. Except for Anna's got a thing. Yeah, real quick. Sorry, chat, chat reminded me that this week is Pawns and Patrons Week. So if you like our drop-in friendly roleplay show that happens only once a, a month, it will be on this Saturday at 10. And I want to echo... Oh, do you have something, Mika? I have one more thing. I just okay. wanted to let everybody know that Liam O'Brien tweeted Dungeons Moist Dragons. And since I had to read it, now everybody else has to read Dungeons <laughs> Moist Dragons. Wow. Misery mm, really does moist. love company. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mika. He's, he said it. Anyway, continue. Uh, just, I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, specifically, uh, the D&D team that runs this stream has been super flexible with us lately. And they do sponsor this stream. They bring it to life. So just wanted to say thanks to them for partnering with us to make this stream happen. Thanks to you guys Thank for you. coming to watch it. Please continue to do that and show them that you care and that you like what they're doing by supporting us and bringing us on. Yeah. See you guys next Thanks week. very much. That's it. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Big love. Goodbye.